Welcome to the final rodeo of season 11 of The Bunt, the people's podcast, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. The hyena can be doing all of what you do. The elephant can be doing all you do. The giraffe, the antelope, the chimpanzees, even the gorillas. But it's one mother in the jungle. When he roars, everything stops. <laughs> Off the wall since Domino Jones, I got the ghost with me. Ants one behind the scenes. It's a cool thing. Still, as per usual, ghost. What's your energy level looking like today, dog? Well, we're recording this at 10 p.m. instead of 10 a.m., so I'm Woo. alive and well. You dig? <laughs> Let's make it pop. <laughs> Big up the movement, bruv. What we got cooking this week? COVID chronicles. You dig? Coming to an end. Hopefully by the time season 12 pops, the world is in a better place. Mm-hmm. But this week, ah oh shit, we got an absolute barn burner. Reminds me of the Fred Gall season where we did him. <laughs> we did the interview early in the season and we're like immediately knew we're saving this one for the ender. We got none other than E.E. Eric what? Ellington, the legend of pain on and off the board. So fucking sick to have him in Studio E. You know what I'm saying? That's a barn burner. Just please save the women and children first, you dig? <laughs> <laughs> then, yo, little loose ball post office. We got some hammers this week. Appreciate everyone reaching out. And then uh, we'll see if we can't cook up some sports talk, you diggy? As per usual, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Subscribe on YouTube at The Bunt Live. And if you want a little bit more of the bunt and you want to show your boys some love, holler at us at patreon.com slash the bunt live. Hell yeah. Ghost, you got a little message for our Patreons, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to all our patrons. Massive thank you for the support. And uh, we're going to try and give a little back and and make it more of a community feel. We're going to be dropping uh, next week. We're going to be dropping our bloopers. So we've been mm. collecting some bloopers here and there for the last couple of years, and uh, we're going to turn that into a mini episode. Should be a good time. And then we're also going to do our raffle. So everyone who's been supporting us, names going into a hat, and uh, the mega box of pain, the box of pain, and the baby box of pain are all <laughs> going out to some patrons. In reverse order. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? How's it going to get higher than the mega box of pain? (laughs) My bad. But uh, yeah, feel free to message us on Patreon.com anytime. We be hollering back real quick. Uh, Loving the little community we got going there. It's going to be good times going forward. You dig? Of course. Bunk Gang knew exactly what was good last Wednesday at 7 o'clock. 
they hit the bluntlive.com shop hard as hell just want to say thank you to everyone who made a purchase on the web store we're going to re-up on some new stuff coming for fall but there's still little bits and pieces on there if you need a little bit of that bunt merch holla at some glasses and if you're a size small there might be a t-shirt or two for you man. <laughs> i don't know anybody that's small really so i don't know if you out there holla at us dog hey yeah uh, we still midsummer man protect your eyes you get me <laughs> you know what time it is go shout out of the week what you got for me oh man in honor of ellington and the death wish family none other than furby he came up what? twice this season with uh, dennis durant no I, well i'm doing a throwback shout out of the week oh, okay but this is a must rewatch. i rewatched it the other day um in dennis durant's interview we talked about nolly flip carlsberg and uh oh yeah that's where you're going with this eh? yeah so uh shouts to pal's questions slap homies sent us uh the link i forgot that video part type in furby via marina and i think that came out when we were like finishing up high school mm -hmm. sometime around then and oh my god he's out here fakey flipping wilshire 15 switch flipping it uh you name it Dude, the cleanest nollie back heel down carlsberg you've ever seen he's twisted it's epic dog so go watch that old furby throwback he's a legend man a forgotten legend these days and another shout out this week it's the season finale, so we can have two. Will Mazzari dropped his welcome to DGK part. Absolutely banged the skate scene over the head. He's a winner of one of our Empire Open contests. And just look at the man now, dog. Absolutely killing it. Oh, when you fuck with the bunt, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? That's what you get. Welcome <laughs> to DGK, dog. I got this, dog. Getting boxes from Scuba, doing it big. Shouts to Will big fan got lots of love for the little guy keep doing your thing brother so like we said the legend double e eric ellington in the building this week i mean if you skating for any period of time you know exactly who eric ellington is the steeziest motherfucker on a board still to this day he can do no wrong man he really can't he was uh Mike Maines, his favorite skater back in the day when he was getting the America flow. Oh my and he was lucky enough to get them EE boxes. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Introing Eric Ellington in relation to him being Mike Maines' favorite skater. Dog, get yourself some fucking green cans and let's get on with it, bro. Holy shit. Yeah, Ellington, living legend. And uh, we're happy to call him a homie these days. Let's get into the interview, and our boy's sober, but, I mean, that ain't going to stop me and Donald from cracking a couple green cans. Hey, <laughs> Canada's premium pilsner, Steam Whistle, the only buzz. All right, the moment you've all been waiting for, we got some goat vibrations in Studio E today. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks for taking the time out to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. Hell yeah. So, welcome to season 11 of The Bunt, The COVID Chronicles. Everyone's life's changed a lot in the past couple of weeks. How's it impacted yours? Um, well, I mean, like everybody, I'm I'm like I'm trying to like self-isolate or, you know, like we're staying inside, but I mean, 
Baker Boys is, is is shut down. Like we're you know there's like everything is uh I mean everything as we knew it like a few weeks ago is basically completely changed. You know like it's uh, I mean what hasn't changed? Mm-hmm. You know I'm indoors. I'm like the- indoors as much as I well I, I, I you know besides being in the backyard and stuff. But um, you know every no every Saturday or whatever every like five days we'll like run to the grocery store. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's just, um, it's a trip. You know, like I, I was at the, I went, I had to make a run to like Rite Aid or something the other day and I was in there and I had like a scarf over my face and I was like, I was basically like, I felt like it, I felt like I was dreaming. I felt like I was in a movie, you know, like yeah. it's just those, it, it's so surreal. It's, um, it, I actually like, as I was walking through the aisle, I was like, I was like, this is real, this is real life. This is like, this is actually happening right now. <laughs> I swear that's where you feel it the most, like when you're in the grocery store or like a drugstore, that's where the like anxiousness comes out the most. It's crazy, man. Okay, so so on on the street that I live on, there's like, for some reason, well, I'm in Burbank, so I'm like, it's, I'm like, you know, a few miles outside of LA, but there's three, three major gun stores on Magnolia. So like within like a few miles of each other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, all of those over the past few weeks before I think they had to like officially shut them down, you know, like, cause I don't think they're um, like a um, essential like item or whatever. They had like Supreme lines out the door. Wow. Like there were seriously like hundreds of fucking people like around the block. I, I, and I was driving by the first time I saw it and I, I couldn't believe it, man. Like people are panicking. People are scared. They're, you know, they're mm. scared that, that it's going to be like a movie and somebody's going to come to their door and try and take all their shit. You know, like yeah. it's crazy. It's hectic. I wonder if our boy Travis was in one of those lines. But uh, yeah, we saw that epic back three in your backyard the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) What are you doing to stay busy these days? Stay sane at home, man. I have two kids. One's 11 and one's 14. And uh, my wife. And so we've got like, you know, we've got a full house. We've got like... You know, we just got a new puppy. So we got two dogs, a, a ball python that's like pretty, pretty good size, a, a leopard gecko. We've got like a full house. So among like all the other things that I, I think that, you know, this is the thing, like, you know, as far as the anxiety and like driving yourself crazy, I've tried to one is is sort of structure a little bit, you know, like because the first week that I was doing this, I was noticing I was getting up at like 10, 11 in the morning or whatever. And I mm-hmm. and I didn't have there was no motivation like everybody, you know, I'm sure that's like one of the, like, you know, one of the the main things that happens to everyone. But I noticed that like I was getting really tired and all these things were happening. And I, and I kind of like, I don't know, there's, there's so many psychological things that go along with some kind of craziness like this that I, I thought if I started to maybe meditate a little bit and maybe like, you know, do some like, just, I don't know, to something to take that kind of edge off, you know, like, so I started doing that a little bit and I do these little, um, little workouts, like little mini workouts. So I think that the structure of actually doing something rather than to just let the day go by was something that sort of saved me a little bit because otherwise, you know, I mean, you could drive yourself crazy. So mm-hmm. I, I always, there's always like over, over, you know, ever since I was able to like afford to, you know, live on my own, I've always had little projects around the house. Like I'd build stuff or I, you know, I, I built like a tree fort or I'd, I'd build like just, you know, tables and things like that. So when I get into one of those things, I might not leave the house for a week as it is, you know, like if I'm yeah. building something. So I, I started, I built a, um, like an above ground, um, 
uh, like vegetable garden. You know, I went to, you know, like Sick. I got some wood and did some stuff with that. And like, I've been painting shoes and I always just like, you know, I have a, I have a nice little backyard. So, you know, like I've been staying busy with stuff like that. But I think like the, for me, the, the structure of being able to, you know, like say, okay, 10 o'clock, I'm going to do this or 11, I'm going to do this. And then, and then I, if I set my little goal for, I have these little projects that I want to do. And, um, and then, and then I, I could stay motivated. Boom. That's what's up. We're finding the same men. We found ourselves getting up early the other day to do some yoga together. Just whatever it takes yeah. to like keep some structure helps, you know? Do you think that maybe uh, people will, will sort of get, um, like, develop positive habits maybe out of something like this, you know? Like, whereas otherwise, like, maybe we wouldn't have, like, meditated or done some yoga or maybe, like, ate, ate better or, you know, things like that might come out of this. Yeah, hopefully. I'm more on point now than I have been. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, th- like yeah, I heard that. I, I think that I think that that might be something that either you c- become you come out of this either really screwed up, <laughs> you know, where you're all over the place, or you're more yeah. on point than you went into it as. Like basically, yeah. your focus has become like laser focus of like, all right, mm-hmm. this is it. When I get out of here, like you're in prison right now, but you're still working. You know, you're working out. You're doing, you know, you're doing your thing. For sure. So we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. You know, when I first like landed my first kickflip, I think that would have been like one of the highlights of like skateboarding for me. That I was I, I, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, skating, and we used to go to this um, this mall called Diamond Center. And I don't know why. I guess it was like a good meeting area, but um, that's where I landed my first kickflip. And I remember like just days and days weeks of trying that and and then I did it and I was like it was almost like a surreal out of body experience that I actually did that and then like that same mall I also lied to my friend and told him that I had jumped board slid like caveman board slid a three stair rail because I didn't have the I couldn't I couldn't actually do it like I didn't have the confidence to do it so I was always kind of a chicken and then I lied because I knew I could do it and then when he got there he's like let me see and I did it and I was like oh so that too what that's so sick I think I'm gonna start using that tactic and just start lying about all types of shit I've landed <laughs> have to do it yeah yeah exactly everything that, that but don't get me wrong i'm not like a, a like a fucking compulsive liar or something <laughs> what about favorite sports moment when i lived in phoenix arizona uh, there was a there was a uh, there was a moment in like the phoenix suns when they were like going to the the finals and they actually i think there was like there was a point where they almost won they were playing against the bulls and it was probably like i don't even know it was like 94 or something but like I think it was like it was in the finals and they they were like tied up and and one and a guy shot a three it was like Paxton or one of one of the one of the Bulls guys that was like a everybody from our crew you know like if your city is winning and I don't think the Suns it was like Barkley and shit it was during his like era yeah. and uh and we were we were all hyped you know and we thought like the Suns were going to win and uh and he shot the three pointer and and it like basically uh folded it fucking Damn. Yeah, that was probably the team that had the best chance to upset the Bulls too. Yeah, they almost did. That would be my my like most memorable. Like, it's not a good sports moment, I guess. Yeah. They, the, <laughs> they lost, but like, yeah, that was. That's sick, yeah. man. I wish I got to watch Barkley in his prime. He's like one of my favorite people, but just like post career, he's amazing. Yeah, like his commentary and stuff. Like he's always like he's always hilarious. 
you know the um the super bowl was was in uh i lived in, i grew up in like tempe which is a, a suburb of uh of phoenix arizona and um the super bowl was at the sun devil stadium so uh i actually parked cars for my mom and uh during the because it was so close that basically you know you could charge like a hundred bucks per per car Damn. really and so we parked at our house yeah we we uh we were parking maybe ten cars. She must have made like a grand what? or something. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. That's, that's my that's my uh, there's my most favorite memorable sports moment. <laughs> parking so cars sweet. with my mom during a Super Bowl, fucking whatever it was, probably ninety three, ninety four. I don't know. I wonder what year that was. We'll look it up later. Yeah. So uh, take us back to the beginning. Where did you come up, and how did you get into skating? So I was I was raised in Anchorage, Alaska. I was born born up there um I, I moved around a lot when i was younger you know I, I went to um my dad had family and in mississippi and like kind of the, the in the south and i think we went there for a few years and came back and you know my mom sort of traveled around quite a bit you know it's weird like i i think that i saw like the first thing i ever saw it was it was in Alaska. I, I bounced back around, but like I ended up going back up there, and from about six or seven years old, you know, kind of up until I was about fifteen or fourteen or something. But like the first thing I ever saw was a Powell Peralta catalog, um, and I was like walking. You know, I remember it being like drizzling rain, and I, I I picked up the catalog. I had no idea what like anything was. I picked it up, and I was like Steve Caballero, Tony Hawk, and I remember like seeing these names and these graphics, and like that catalog was like I couldn't like the graphics and like just the it just looked really cool and I remember like I think I, I think my mom was like saying like those were stage names you know like Tony Hawk and stuff like that but um <laughs> I think you know there was the same time around that around that like shortly after that I think I saw Back to the Future at some point and uh and then I got a skateboard shortly after that and uh yeah that was like it, it was like you know I, I think seeing the catalog sort of like turned me on to knowing that that existed, you know, and like going like, damn, that's something like, look at, you know, like, and I had seen maybe a few skaters around yeah. and then, and then back to the future. And then like, and then, you know, that was it. And then I, and then I got a board and then, and then when we moved to another neighborhood, like a lot of the friends that I had made were, were into skating. So like, I remember like, you know, all the stuff like rolling as fast as you could and then rolling onto a curb, like not like getting up on it anyway, but like, like rolling on the sidewalk and then going into grind and grinding as far <laughs> as you could, you know, like there was no, yeah. there was no movement. It's just, you go. And like, that was like, you know, those tricks, you know, like you're rolling and grinding. That was like a trick. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I don't think, yeah, it's weird. You don't like until somebody really asks you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff too often. Like those memories. For sure. So what was your first big break in the skate industry? How did it all get started? Around the time, I guess I was probably like maybe 13, 14 years old. I sent a, I sent a sponsor me video to H Street. And, and H Street, I was talking to a guy named Dave Andret, who, who like invented, like, you know, he was like the Andret hand plant and all this stuff. Like, but he used to skate for them and he ended up being the team manager. And uh, he saw the video and he was like, yeah, we, we like your video. I don't think they liked it that much, but they sent me a board <laughs> and they sent me a, it was when Mike Carroll first went pro. This is like, it was his, um, he had a Calvin and Hobbes like ripoff graphic and uh, they sent me that and like, 
I mean, the feeling you got when you're a kid in Alaska getting a skateboard from H Street sent directly to you. Damn. That was crazy, man. Like, I was tripping. <laughs> yeah, but that was like, I mean, I, I wouldn't, that's not like a big break or anything, but it was definitely like some, some motivation for me. You know, like, I remember them telling me, like, I didn't do enough handrails or something like that. And I was like, oh, man, I was broken, you know, like, because I yeah. was skating, like, you know, maybe not at the level like those guys were, but I mean, you know that that's that was the that was the way it was wow that's what's up that must have been a sick box to open up man <laughs> dude it was yeah yeah it was i was definitely blown away i think there was some stickers in there too but you know later on um, down the line i actually um got on a company called clout which um was started by a guy named ray Dillon, who lived up in like the san francisco area and he i think it like we somehow we met maybe at a at a one of the asr trade shows or something you know like i mean, it may have been like 16 went to a trade show and he was like hey um come up to sf so i went up to sf and um you know i was getting boards and, and i remember meeting like wade spayer danny minnick and like some other people it was it was like that was like my first kind of like you know actually like being sponsored was uh, i was on a company called clout nice. sick yeah they they didn't make it too far but so fulfill the dream was donald's first video minic maddie was mine but both of our second videos we ever saw was misled youth oh cool what was it like working on that project i i remember hearing jamie thomas say that you like put most of your part together right near the deadline there what was that project like for you well okay so like the first video that that we did was um was uh thrill of it all and and i think like Okay, so right before that, like 95, whatever, around that time, me and my, my best friends, we, we moved to, uh, to San Diego. And, like, you know, I think that, like, that, that whole, like, we had gotten sponsored. Jamie Thomas was, like, you know, like, filming us and, like, all this crazy stuff was happening. I think we got kind of caught up with, like, you know, just drinking and being, like, down, you know, like, we're, we're, in, we're in downtown San Diego, like, like you know we're, we're living in like a, you know we moved out we're living in a house with a bunch of other skaters and i think like we sort of like got caught up in that so that video that first one thrill thrill of it all i sort of like my part was really short because i like i think that i kind of just got carried away you know like with yeah. partying and, and doing everything so when when it was time for the next video like we were filming for it and I remember just going like, like I think Adrian Lopez or something. He was like, "You're gonna get kicked off" or whatever it was. You know, like oh. he, I think he was, he was always kind of saying some shit like that. But he was like, he was like, "Yeah, you're gonna get the boot." And I was like, "Fuck, man." I mean, I didn't know <laughs> what I was gonna do. I mean, imagine that. Like that was my whole. You know, I was like, "Man, I'm moving to California. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skate and this." And so I just, it kind of hit me. You know, like it hit me really really hard like like dude this is what i want to do like i love i love skateboarding and, and i want to make my life that you know like so i just i think that that was around the, around the time when um when i filmed the majority of the part in in whatever the last couple months sick. dude sick yeah that part. that was a pretty scary yeah <laughs> like that's a good you know, way to get to get moving man yeah, yeah, it, it it definitely was, and it was real too. It wasn't like a like a scare tactic. It was like your shit is done, you know, you're done. Well, you came through, man. What was the chief like back in those days? Was he pushing people to their max and making sure they pushed themselves to the max? 
so I met I met him when he was on Toy Machine. So like Jamie and I, like I met Maldonado and Donnie and like Alyssa and like you know I had known Chad Muska through like me and him met each other when we were like twelve or thirteen when I first moved to Arizona. So like I had already kind of you know we had already been friends. So I met Jamie when I think that you know like he was he was like brought toy machine like with ed and like you know he like made a really big impact with with toy machine and like really like kind of made that video happen you know filmed it and like kind of motivated everybody to like kind of you know he was like the the team you know kind of captain or something like that so like i met him then and when he was starting zero it was kind of like that same that same sort of mentality it was like here's a crew you know we're all gonna go out and skate together and and i think like to, to me at the time, I, I looked at that like that was like a big brother, you know, like it was like, dude, this motivating, you know, big brother is like kind of like helping me get my feet on the ground and learn all this shit because Jamie was like super involved with his board graphics, super involved with like filming the way he did that and the way he like he just took took charge of everything. And, and I think that that's how I looked at it. But but I think that that. I think that that kind of can run its course really quick, you know, like if, mm-hmm. if, you know, if, um, especially with certain personalities and for me, I, I learned a lot from it and I still talk to him, you know, often, but I think like that would, would have been the, you know, like eventually I had to, you know, I had to part ways and go my own way and do my own thing. And I think that a lot of the other people, you know, kind of did the same. I think, you know, Jamie always meant well, you know, like that was his goal. It's just, it, you know, could have been you know, and I personally had, con- you know, direct contact where I was like, yeah, I, I, I would get upset sometimes. And I saw people get like, you know, to the point of going, fuck it, I'm out. And so, you know, I think I was in San Diego for about a year and a half. And, you know, me and Scotty Copelman, you know, from the very first Zero video, it was my close friend. I think we all moved up to Orange County and started, you know, we had a whole other crew that we were starting to hang around and skate with and we sort of came together. And it was like, at that point, you know, I think it's time to go move on and and do something else. Yeah, sometimes it's almost like a coach in pro sports. Eventually the message starts to be heard a little bit less and less and and you need to hear a bit of a new message. Yeah. But like, I feel like the chief just wants to like, you to do your absolute best, you know? It comes from a great place. Right, right. Which can be contrary to like how and why we started skating in the first place, right? So it it almost, there's this like, almost like inner, like internal rivalry you've got. Like, oh, somebody's telling me how, like, I got to like get this trick or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I think that him meaning well ended up getting masked by him wanting you to do something to a lot of people, you know, like, so I think that, but yeah, definitely could be could be uh it, it perceived that way but it works for some people that's for sure yeah yo and a lot of people like they've filmed some of their like best parts with zero with jamie thomas you know so with that like his mentality or the way that he kind of motivated people it like set me up to where i was like okay i understand how that works like because like i told you when i moved to san diego i was like i got kind of caught up and like carried mm-hmm. away with like partying and i was like oh fuck skating and filming a part was kind of secondary i made it right you know so like kind of seeing how seeing what his commitment was and his work ethic it helped to instill to where when i did leave i was like i was like okay it's time to film a video part let's get you know let's get down and make it happen i know what i gotta do right right right
the next week, CHPO has decided to challenge the people. We over here at The Bunt have donated to the 8 Can't Wait organization, and CHPO is challenging you too as well. Make a donation of $10 or more. Send us your receipt, and we're going to pick three lucky winners over the next week to receive a giant-sized CHPO box. This is in your hands. Donate to the 8 Can't Wait organization, and you guys could be hitting a lick with CHPO. So during that misled youth part, you were rocking some action shoes. You actually had one of my favorite three flip clips. Nice. I feel like it's a, a random clip over the chain, but that shit was dope as hell. I love the filming. I love the tray bomb. Thanks. But uh, you wouldn't happen to have any Kareem Campbell stories for the people from back then? No, you know, you know what? Like the every time I ever hung out with Kareem would be like in Tampa or we'd be somewhere, and he would always be buying like shots for every or whatever he would do. It would be for everyone, you know. Like it was like <laughs> he was he was he's just a good dude you know like the 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 first first interaction because he was always one of my favorite skaters you know like so i had the shoes before i was like getting packages or anything from him so i like i think that you know after that video came out or maybe like right in the in the i forget when it was during the process of it but he hit somebody up at uh tomietta which is where where um zero was at the time and and he was like, hey, so I actually, I think I got on the phone. He was like, hey, do you like the shoes? I was like, yeah, 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 man. And he's like, going to send me some and told me whatever. He'd give me like a couple hundred bucks a month. Jeez. And uh, to me at the time, I, I mean, like I was like, first of all, I couldn't believe Kareem Campbell wanted me to, <laughs> wanted to give me some shoes. And then second, he was going to, you know, it, it was a surreal thing. You know, all that stuff, like those little things, man. When you're, mm-hmm. you know, when you look up to somebody for that long and then you like, you know, I don't know, man. It's just a really good feeling. So he's always been always so genuinely nice every time. Like to this day, if I saw him, he would be, give me a hug or, you know, like, and I never really, I wasn't like super close with them, but like, he's one of those people that you'd never hear a story of Kareem vibing somebody. Never. Yeah. That's awesome. He was always like, I remember this, this is actually one. I was on a Europe tour and we were with, it was Ed Templeton. It was a couple people. And it was maybe, it was at a demo at a contest. I forget what it was. Ed's, everybody's killing it. Ed fucking doing something, fucking feeble in some crazy thing. Slips out. I don't forget what he did. Hit his head. And, you know, like hit his head. It was, he was bleeding. He's laying on the floor. Looked fucked up. You know, everybody's tripping. Everybody's paused. Who's the first one there with the shirt off his back? Kareem. Boom. Wrapped it around his head. Got his head up. You know, like a fucking war hero. Damn. Yeah. Remo. Yeah, yeah. for real. Legend. Yep. We got to get him on here one day. That would be epic. He's, I think he's in Texas. Sick. We've sent him yeah. a couple DMs, but no luck yet. But we'll, we'll keep trying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You got to have him on. So take us back to the beginning. And how did Baker Bootleg get started? So Baker Bootleg was like, okay, so there was three or four different apartments throughout like Huntington Beach and like I think it was Andrew, Brian Sumner, Ali Bulala, Jim Greco, Jay Strickland. They all came from like Birdhouse, right? Like that whole that whole zone and and uh they were a kind of a crew doing their thing and we were me and Alyssa and Scotty and like you know that whole group Maldonado like the Donnie Barley like the whole Toy Machine and Zero and that but like 
me and Alyssa and a couple and Scotty and, and Shane Heil and a few other people, Aaron Harrison, um, we moved up to Huntington Beach, like I was saying, like around maybe 98 or something like that, 97, 98. And we all kind of became real close. So we, we sort of like they were at, a, at an apartment complex called the Barrio. And like, I think Andrew had his Wheels of Fortune or one of the 411 things, the Birdhouse video, they were filming for it. Jim was like, I think this is actually how it started. Jim was filming for the Birdhouse video. And I think he like was not getting along with the, with the um, maybe the film or whoever it was, he quit Birdhouse, but Jim got on zero. So like me and Jim became really close. And, and then he was like, yeah, this is his crew up in Huntington Beach or whatever. So when we came up there, we already had a friend that was living up there. So we stayed on his floor. And then it was like a couple of us kind of came up and, and Alyssa may have went back to Florida and like somebody went somewhere. And then, and then we all sort of reconvened and got a new apartment in Huntington Beach. And the Barrio house with Jay Strickland and those guys, they got a new apartment. And we all sort of were in this one zone at that point. So Allie his nickname is Baker. So like they started, I guess, you know, I, I don't even, like they were a separate household. I don't even remember how that even went down. But like they filmed that video and I remember having a couple tricks and the whole crew had like a couple things in it. But then like that was just, I think it was just a, um, like just a little thing they were doing. And then when it was like came time to start the company, then Jay came over and he was like, we were all kind of hanging out. It was like Maldonado, me, a couple other people. And then that crew, it was like, we're going to start this uh, company. And it was like, all right, cool. And then we all left. And then that was how it went. Man, my memory is very foggy. <laughs> so it's so weird. That's tw I think that was 20 years ago. Maybe it was even a little bit more. And like, Damn. like say, you know, we all do our thing, like go out, skate. You guys got your, you know, your podcast and you're doing your life, whatever you don't seem like much changed, right? Like, you know, since we were like mm -hmm. skating at like 18, 20, 22 yeah. years old, like not a lot changed. And like, we could still have a conversation about like a 360 flip or something. But that was 25, almost 25 years ago. It's crazy. You know, and it's really weird to th when you when you like look at it in those, it, like that's a quarter of a century. I always just think like, oh, that shit was like four or five years ago. And, and I'm like, <laughs> damn, why can't I remember that? Because it was like more than half as old as I am. That's why, like, you know, yeah. so sometimes like yeah. I always start to like kind of trip on like, you know, how fast life goes by. Yeah, life goes by fast, but these days, damn, feels like it's going slow as hell. Yeah, it's slowing down a bit. Eternal Groundhog Day. For real, I know. So what was going on behind the scenes when Baker bootleg split? We loved that massive crew. One of our favorite skaters, Scott Kane, was on the scene. Everything oh, seemed yeah, yeah, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. From the outside yeah. looking in. But then, yeah, what popped off? So Baker was out of Birdhouse and 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 Blitz, Birdhouse, Blitz, whatever. And... Uh, and I think that the ownership was split in a few different ways between like Andrew and the people that, you know, Tony and like Pear or something. And, you know, and Jay Strickland was one of the big, you know, like, you know, motivators and, you know, putting that whole thing together. And, and I think it was a, it was a largely a real, you know, group effort with all of us. But, you know, I think that he went and sort of sourced like, I want to, you know, get some ownership of one of these things and start, you know, bootleg, which was, you know, like... Um, you know, where he, I think he went through NHS or something like that. But, it, you know, it was all crew. It was all like, you know, it was Alyssa and it was Trainwreck and it was all these people. And I think like there was like a part of it was, um, was fuck, man. Yeah, that's a big family and all that. 
but I don't think anybody from the Baker side of it saw any of the cut of the bootleg part of it. So I almost feel like it was like, okay, well, like, this is this. If it's going to be a family, then it needs to be a family through and through, all the way through. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So right. I think that oh. I think that that was that was maybe um, you know a part of the the resentment that got built up in there. You know, ultimately, I think that those things would have been ironed out had the company lived a little bit longer, and and you know everybody you know because you know as you get a little bit older and shit, those those like stupid resentments towards like something like that they kind of dissipate. You know, like you're like that shit is done. You know, damn, that that's a crazy thought to think if bootleg yeah lasted a little longer and then you guys reunited at one point that would have been cool for sure you know and that i'm sure that would have happened you know damn yeah that was cool that was cool i mean it was like you know it was like a it was like a girl chocolate situation it was basically like what death Mm -hmm. wish ended up becoming you know like except death wish was like art directed or or whatever like jim and i were you know like mostly doing all that but yeah that that's uh, you know like i never thought about it that way either but yeah definitely would have so Trainwreck was an absolute beast for a while. He had last part in In Bloom. Yeah, he's one of my one of my all time favorite skaters. Yeah, his last part in In Bloom was crazy, epic. I know. Um, but then he kind of faded. He kind of faded away from the industry and the spotlight. Uh, what's the story there? So you know, okay. So he, that, like I was talking about earlier, you know, like I think that J- some of Jamie's methods might have, like, you know, if he was going to do something, he was going to do it on his terms. You know, it wasn't like you know he he uh, set up a, a you know a, like a mission to get a trick or anything. He would just go and and uh, and get some. It wouldn't whether he filmed it, didn't film it, landed it first try, didn't broke his board, left. You know, like it wouldn't. It didn't matter. You know, like so he basically. I think a lot of that footage you guys saw or a lot of the footage that the world saw was filmed by Jamie and Lee DuPont, you know? So it was like, it was a lot of like, I think kind of wrangling him to get him to do something. And, you know, naturally he's just such like a free type thinking, you know, like he'd just do his own thing. That So Trainwreck left zero for bootleg, you know? Um, had like everything gone normal, I think, you know, he would have, you know, he would have filmed another video part or, or multiple ones or whatever, but we were on a remember that you know crew like in the very very beginning days of crew um it was the first road trip we did and um it was angel kabata you know one of the you know the founders of of tsa and crew and all that we were either in we were either in uh utah or colorado and dustin dolan was actually on it he just jumped on the trip at the last minute so like everybody was drinking i think alex got pretty you know like he was like you know i don't know whatever they were probably drinking like a bottle of whiskey everybody was fucked up and um we had a motorhome like they had like fully bought a motorhome and wrapped it crew and all this so it was like it was us just in the motorhome like partying like it was like a that's basically we would stop and you know whatever whenever we yeah. had like any thing to do we would, you know but for the most part if we were driving cruising around everybody's just drinking chilling it was super fun but anyway like him like train wreck and angel got into like some kind of argument and fucking whatever it was and we were at a spot and like you know train wreck jumps out and like just it was like that that famous rail in salt lake i think like you know maybe it was like a a nine stair it wasn't even a big rail or anything you know but like he just jumped out and the way he skated was he landed on every single thing he tried like it wasn't there was it was 100 percent commitment with everything and he like five owed the rail first try and you know like it wasn't crazy but it was like right out of the van you know or right out of the motorhome just you know and his tail broke 
off his board and he did the splits and it and it blew out his ACL. It like it oh, fucked shit. him up. Oh. Like it was a bad, you know, like a a bad knee injury. And from from that point on, he I don't think he ever went and got it like like actually fixed. So that was it. You know, oh. there was never another uh never another like I mean Damn. Yeah. He That's crazy. That, yeah, that and that was it. You know, like I don't know. He's probably said something about that, but that was that was basically um, that was it. It ballooned up. He got it looked at when he got back. He never like you know never got the the full ACL surgery. Never did the you know the the whole deal. And so um, I think that you know he probably waited three or four months, five months. Felt like it healed. Buckled it again. Done. Damn. Fucking hell. That's yeah. sad. I know. I know. That was a that was sad. Yeah. Especially because you just knew it could have like it. It was like it was nothing, you know. Like it wasn't even mm-hmm. like, you know, it was like oh fuck that. Got out of the got out of the the van and just psh, and that was it. It's a bummer. Yep. So, in two thousand eight, you decided to break off from Baker and start up Deathwish. What was behind that decision? Jim, Jim, and myself, like we've always had like a lot of you know like a lot of input in you know everything we've always been a part of and. We were just like there was so many people on the team, and I think we had these like, you know, we had these ideas that like you know we wanted to start another company, so we, um, you know, we just sort of did it. I think a little bit before that, uh, him and I had started um, like a sunglass company. It was called Brigada. Mm. You know, we were like thinking we were like businessmen trying to start our shit. You know, but we had like sourced the the factories for the sunglasses and done all this stuff and like we were we were putting a lot of work into it. You know, we had gotten a small warehouse, like a thousand square foot warehouse to hold like our, our sunglasses and all that and uh and then I and from right there we called it Baker Boys, you know, because you know like we knew that even though Andrew wasn't a part of Brigada, um, you know, that we knew that we had this idea that one day, you know, we wanted like to start Deathwish or, you know, or some company. And then we knew that eventually we would bring Baker into the, into the building, you know, like, it's like you grow up seeing these things, like, you know, you're like, oh man, girl and chocolate. And the, you know, like you see all this stuff, like they got this warehouse with boards everywhere and like, you know, a skate park and you just dream of wanting something like that. So like, you know, that's what yeah. we, that's what we, um, you know, have a, have like a house. So sick clubhouse it's dope man i love seeing clips at that park i gotta come check that one of these days man yeah yeah if you're around if you guys uh anytime you guys are in la you guys are welcome to come by it's fun man from there we we actually um it was 2008 we so we started working on it maybe a year before that and uh in 2008 we put out baker as a death wish and like we had we had gotten a, a you know a regular space that was maybe you know a few thousand square feet to hold you know it was a little little office space and it had some you know we put some racks in there and stuff, but um, 2008 we came out with Baker as a death wish and we had boards you know the boards were being sold we had like two people in sales, you know that was a that was a crazy time, us being like thinking like oh we'll just rent this space and then like all the shops will order the boards, but then like you got to like place your production order with the factory and then you got to time it up to where the boards get shipped out to the store and then somebody's got to be talking to the store and then you got to have the order forms and all the you know they got to pay you and then when that money comes in you got to pay the other people and it's this and then you got to pay all these you know bills and i was we're like you know me and jim were (laughs) the trip and andrew we we you know like 
it was a it was definitely a learning process you know like we we hired some of our friends that we thought like could you know figure it out and it was it was funny like we'd hire somebody like going like oh yeah that that guy was doing like uh hvac stuff you know like air air conditioning and heating he probably could like run a warehouse and like keep everybody <laughs> together you know like like you know <laughs> Dan Rogers, you know, like we're like, oh, Dan's cool. He fucking, you know, he can carry on a good conversation. He's in sales, you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, this guy that used to drive, uh, you know, he was, uh, we met him at Baker three. He was a, um, he, he, he had his own limousine service or it was like a town car. He had not a limousine service. He had a town car. And so he would, you know, and he, I, he was a fan. So he picked us up and he drove us around. And, and anytime we need to go to the airport, we would call Jimmy the driver. So we're like, oh, he has his own business. So he could be our accountant. You know, like oh. it, was, <laughs> it was amazing. Like when I think back on it now, I'm like, dude, I can't even believe we like even stayed in business. Like it's so <laughs> funny. Like we're really fortunate that like people liked our stuff because we'd ship late every stuff would be out of stock like you know we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> that's awesome man you guys are still around today fucking love to see skaters become their own bosses man it's cool man you know it's um mm -hmm. dude it's a it's a it's an honor man like we're really fortunate you mentioned baker has a death wish some prime antoine dixon years yep you probably get asked about him all the time but mm -hmm. we want to know about another insanely talented guys you guys rocked with for a long time furby uh quite the mysterious oh, yeah. dude from the outside looking in but can you tell us a bit about furby man furby's tight yeah you know it's funny because like furby is a man of few words like if you it was always just kind of like you know, hey, what's up, Furby? How you doing? Good, good. <laughs> I, you, you know, like I, Antoine and him would, you know, they'd room together all the time, and like, I think they'd probably talk a little bit, but I just don't think Furby was like really a, like he was just wasn't a talkative guy. You know, like he'd he'd show up, Wilshire fifteen, fakey flip it, chill. <laughs> you know, he was, <laughs> he's tight, man. Like I, I like Furby. Yeah, yeah, I was a big big fan of his, yeah, yeah. man. He, him and Antoine, I feel like if Antoine didn't exist, Furby would have got a lot more shine because they skated a lot of the same shit, but everyone was obviously obsessed with Antoine. But Furby was on that mm -hmm. level too, man. For sure. I think he was too. And he was he was like equally as smooth too, you know, like he definitely, yeah. they were like such a good duo, you know, like it was yeah. just like these two LA dudes, you know, like, and, and they both like were so graceful, you know, like, and, you know, obviously like, you know, Antoine, you know, probably, you know, had more like success and commercial success and all that. But, you know, Furby's uh, technically like just humble, very, you know, like he would, you know, that, that old saying, walk softly, carry a big stick. That's Furby. Yeah. He didn't talk shit. He didn't say what he was going to do, this and that. Like, you know, people will claim stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. And that was it. And, you know, you'd see like, God damn, you just did that? Like, he just, Furby. Yeah. Straight beast. Yeah, he was underrated, yeah. I think, for sure. For sure, yeah. What happened with Furby in the end? Uh, with with Deshwitch and Supra and stuff? Furby was probably 17, 18 years old in the, you know, when he got on. And, like, people people change as they get a little older. I think he got into, like, probably just got into doing his own thing and, you know, raving or, or you know, going to doing his thing, you know, getting into different types of music and i think he sort of to, to from our side of it it looked like he was just sort of taking a whole different path like yeah. mm. and it was like 
sort of what happened, you know, even though, I mean, with, with us, it's kind of like the, the talent is obviously always your primary thing. You know, you get noticed, recognized by that. And it's always like a baseline, you know, you, you got to have some kind of ability, but I think in the end, if you're not with the rest of the crew and you're not like, you know, it's the, that's where the, that's where like the part of a, the family kind of, it's Mm -hmm. like, I, I believe that's what makes Baker and Deathwish and the whole thing that we've, you know, had for a long time. That's what makes it kind of different than a lot of the stuff that's, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. It hinders the longevity of the relationship, right? Yeah. You mentioning that the partying and like maybe the raves or whatever, it, it just reminded me of his, yeah, you could kind of see it from the outside looking in even like he started dressing different. He got yeah, the his big style. hoops yeah. in his ears and stuff, but he was still just as good, like you said. Right, right, right. And, like, that's the part where I'm, like, you know, you, you really, like, you could fakey flip anything now more than any time in the in the history of skating. Even in the – it's more like it was in the 80s or the beginning of when I first started was that, like, right now a lot of people are very good at skating. And that is yeah. not the most the most important thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, like, just because you could skate really good. And I think we've always kind of looked at it like that. Like, you know, like, just because you're good, it doesn't mean that you can uh, – got to – pro model waiting over here for you you know yeah, yeah definitely not man if you spend long enough on instagram you can find a bunch of dudes that are better than the average pro but or not even the average anymore better than any of them any of them. like <laughs> there's except for maybe like three everybody on instagram is like fucking like extremely talented yeah i bet when you used to go on tours and do demos back in the day there would be like the hometown hero where there's like one or two really good guys right. and now you pull up to parks and like everybody is sick you're like what do i what do we even do here man yeah totally it's funny because like back in the day you know you'd go you'd go to a spot or like you know you, there would be that there would be one or two or you'd get like videos and people would be sending stuff or like i remember going to like active you know like one you know the the big store out here it was like active night where all their like employees were skating and you'd just mm-hmm. be like not that you were being not being arrogant, but you were just like they're like not on the level of what like you know most people are, you know, like or the, yeah. the like the pros and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, our employees at Baker Boys are like way better than I ever was. Like, <laughs> like I seriously, I swear to God, I like, find that du- hard to believe. But our dudes in the art department, the dudes working in the warehouse, they could honestly, they could film a video part, and it can compare with anybody out there. It's crazy. It's really, it's really crazy. So you're saying they're just, they're not cool enough, though? No, no, no. I'm it's not kidding. even that. <laughs> it's, like they're really cool too. I'm actually like should get on one of the companies. <laughs> so it's not easy to stay around for 20 years in the case of Baker and 12 in the case of Deathwish, especially in this era where there are more and more new brands popping up by the day. What's the secret to Baker Boys, man? How do you guys keep the longevity going? I don't know if there's like a secret to it. Like, I, I just think that, you know, between Andrew, Jim and myself, we love skateboarding. And I think that if you're involved with it and you're consistently like a part of it, like, I think that that might be what what happens is like sometimes when people get a little older, they just like, you know, they kind of fade away and they're like, and then all of a sudden, like maybe the company or the team or whatever is being run by like other people that maybe didn't have anything to do with it in the beginning and sort of changes hands and it loses the kind of the history or, you know, what made it what it was. And I think all that's still there, you know, like it's like you can come into Baker Boys any day of the week and you'll see us kicking it up there or like at least, you know, 
somebody and we're either skating in the back chilling in the art department talking shit cruising around you know like it's um aside from you know like all the obvious things you know like of of like skating you know and, and still you know maybe people are you know like i don't know i guess that would be it i don't i don't really know mm-hmm. the family aspect it, yeah i guess if i look at like what you know like some of my favorite companies growing up you know like what you know maybe somebody left and they want to do their own thing and you know like it's like you're leaving for a reason right you know like you're you're Mm -hmm. um you're breaking away from something because like you want it to either i think i think when we're still running it like we're kids or something you know like it's there's no real reason to leave maybe yeah everybody is still around there's some respect there where it's like you know people are still doing it Mm -hmm. and i don't even want to think about when uh you guys aren't still like the face of it and like still in the videos and skating I don't think we'll ever not be, you know, <laughs> like that's a, yeah. Yeah. like I, I've gotten into a lot of different things in my life, you know, where like, you know, cause as you get older, you get, you know, your interests and stuff, like you pick up time in different areas, but like, I think that my true love for everything has always come from skateboarding. I picture myself, fuck, we'd be 65, which this is the part where we were talking about time and stuff and I'm 42 now. So like when I was 20 and I, you know, met, you know, met that whole crew and we all moved up to, you know, Huntington Beach or whatever. And that's 20 years went by like that. And I'm still mm-hmm. doing the same shit, you know, maybe yeah, for, with yeah. a little bit of different things are going on. I got a couple kids and I'm, you know, doing my thing. But, you know, fast forward 20 more years and, and I, I would imagine that we'd probably be like doing pretty similar things. I mean, from 40 to 60, I think you change more from 20 to 40 than you do from 40 to 60. You're pretty much... I'm set in my ways. This is who I am. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know? That's what we like to hear. Yeah. So don't worry. We'll be there. Continued <laughs> success to Baker Boys, man. Love what you guys got going on. Thanks. I appreciate that. Especially through these crazy times, man. God damn. Yeah, man. I know. We just had to shut down the factory a couple a couple weeks ago. Hectic. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's a trip, man, because we've got a pretty strong organization. You know, there's like there's like a lot of really solid people that have been there for a long time. And it's like looking at like a lot of businesses and skate shops and like retail stores and stuff. And, and like, you know, people who have to pay rent and people, you know, like we, we have to pay rent. This situation uh, from an economic standpoint is is definitely going to be the most severe thing that that like not only our generation, but like generations prior to us you know this is a very serious thing that's happening right now where like it's not just like america or or europe parts of europe or australia or or whatever you know this is like the the entire world is now forced to go how are we going to pay rent our mortgage our business mortgage rent uh employees and you know and everybody's in that same position from large companies to small companies to independents you know like it's crazy it's really it's really scary you know and that that comes back to that part about like you can drive yourself crazy the anxiety will eat you alive you know and i think like coming back to like spiritual growth and like meditating and just going like look you know like as like a as a society as a community we're in this together and like that's the fundamental thing about like it's our connection you know it's not the products it's not the things it's like it's not how much fucking money you got it's like it comes down to just us communicating and hanging out you know Mm -hmm. wild times man it's weirdly comforting though that literally everyone's in it together like everyone around the world yeah call a homie in any country and it's just like 
they're going through the exact same thing. It's nuts. Yeah, totally. Somebody said that to me today. They're like, at least you don't, don't got FOMO. I was FaceTiming with a friend who's in, uh, <laughs> in France. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, I guess, yeah, you're right. I mean, I kind of do still, though. I'm kind of like, he was out there. He's like, you know, the thing is, everybody is isolated. It's just definitely like you, you definitely still have the, you can have FOMO still. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I had FOMO from fucking Reynolds Insta post when obviously he was doing the right thing and he was like, you know, like, I think we should all stay home. Basically, he was just, you know, putting the message out there. He has a big platform. Uh-huh. And then, like, he starts skating his backyard and he's got his swimming pool and the front side flipping. <laughs> oh, the right, two. right, right. I know. I'm like, it's like, Damn, here, like- <laughs> it would be easy to stay home if that was my crib. <laughs> I know, yeah. for sure. For some, it's and- a little easier than others, for sure. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's definitely got a good setup over there. I know. That's where it's like, we're in Southern California. We're pretty lucky to have some of this stuff. But, like, I, you know, I got friends in New York and Paris and where they're, like, yeah. you know, they're stuck in, like, a little 400-square-foot apartment and it's raining outside mm-hmm. and they're they're on lockdown, you know? Like, yeah. that shit will, you know, you, you got to, like, really do some soul-searching to get, you know? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's escape reality a little bit, get back to some skate questions here. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. We love going behind the scenes on some of our favorite clips over the years. Can you take us behind the scenes on your big spin front nose session on Hubba Hideout? Thanks. Um, let me think. You know what's funny? Nobody has ever asked me about that trick. We took maybe a few trips to SF filming for that video, but I, I just remember like I had, uh, what were those? The uh, DC Lynx, all black Lynx. What? I'm pretty sure. I put those on and I was like, everything, like kickflips, front flips, everything was working so good. And I thought like, and we went to Hubba and, and like, I had always kind of like had that in mind and maybe like, maybe I had tried it at some point before. I don't, I don't know, but like, yeah, it just worked, you know, like it just got up there. Oh, that's right. I, I was on, I, I was on a trip through Texas one time and I just like, it just got right up into a ledge and I just did it. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, those tricks that you just get and like something just somehow magically you're able yeah. to do it and it's yeah. not that hard which is mm-hmm. weird because things are pretty hard for me for the most part and that one was like oh cool that's why i do it a lot it just, just works right so it got up slid it and i landed on it but i had put my hand on the top of the on the hubba and i was like i was like fuck let's you know let's keep going i want to try and get a better one because i don't know everything i've done that's been sketchy i always wanted to get a better one yeah so like all that stuff that like I did and like did shitty. I was like, you know, like that, like my hands all over the place. Anyway, I did it and I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's get it. You know? And I just couldn't do it. So I was like, whatever, I'll use that one. I'm not like, I'm not going to use it. Cause I put my hand on it. I'm going to use it. Cause I did it. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I care, but you know, you know, how it is underrated clip at an iconic spot, man. Loved it. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, man. So from a clip you haven't been asked about to probably the most talked about clip in skateboarding, <laughs> back big spin down Carlsberg, the infamous quote, we're getting fucked up tonight. Did the after party live up to the epic quote? And what was the battle of the actual trick like? <laughs> oh, Wait, hold on, hold on. Before, okay. you an- before you answer that, Donald, did you just call it Carlsberg? You got beers on your Like the right beer, now? the Carlsberg. <laughs> did I say Carlsberg? <laughs> Carlsbad, dog. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Wow. That's funny. I was just going to let you roll with Carlsberg. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. 
That just came off the tongue natural, man. <laughs> you know, somebody back in the day, somebody said the, somebody said to me, they were like, they were like, did you, uh, you ever skate the Wilshire 16? And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, because it's, you know, it's the 15. And, and I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, so that was like, it's funny because we're so particular. Like you said, you know, like it's like one stare off and it's like, you're a kook. And, you know, like, <laughs> oh, fuck. but like. I know, I know you know what it was. I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I say dumb, I, I say shit where I, I wasn't thinking about what it was anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, that, uh, I went there probably like fucking, I don't know, six or seven different times to do it. And like, I don't know. Sometimes when you get something in your head and you're just like, dude, I, you have to do it. Like you get to the point where it's almost like. If I were to not do it, I don't know if I could live with myself, you know, like, cause I would just be like, okay, yeah. I have a friend, like my good friend is Matt Mumford. So I would like go hang out with him. We'd go kick it. And then I'd like wake up the next day. So it was like this little routine where I was like, I was like, all right, cool. I get to go see Matt. I get to hang out. Then we get to go skate the next day. And in the beginning I was like, cool, we'll get to go skate. I'll get my, you know, I'll get my trick and then we'll party and whatever. It got to the point where I went there so many fucking times that by the time I did it, it was like that, that, whatever I said, you know, when I was going to say, I was like, I was like, dude, that just, that's like, I had nothing else to possibly say at the moment. Like, you know, <laughs> so when, when somebody asked me about that and, and I was like, okay, there was such a relief of like, I can't even believe I actually made the trick first of all. And then I had to drive back and I was like, dude, I cannot wait. I'm going to fucking party when I get home. <laughs> and when I got home, I was so like deflated from driving and like the whole process of like, so it was like such a euphoric, like the feeling of like, oh my God, I can't believe I did it. Like I was like high, like high, high, high. Right. Yeah. And like, and then to get in my car, I think I even got like a case of beer on the way home. Like I didn't even wait until I got there. Like I was like ready, you know, like I'm going <laughs> to fucking live it up tonight. And then I got there and like, it was almost like there's the endorphins and the adrenaline and all that stuff. Like it, like it got to where I was like exhausted, right? When I got home and I probably, you know, I crushed maybe four or five beers and just went to sleep, man. Like, oh. So it's not quite the, I know, I know it's such a letdown. It's not the story, but it was probably the night before and the night following. I'm sure it was uh, something that would have been fine. That would have, uh, that's amazing. Lived up to any of the, any of the stories. Next time I'm going to have a quiet night in, I might drop that quote then. We're getting oh, fucked up tonight. <laughs> I know. And when I hear that now, I'm, when I hear it too, I'm like, oh my God, like it's such like a corny ass thing to, it, well, I don't know. You know what's funny is when I watch any footage, when I do something, I'm like, like switch foot lip slide or something down the rail. And, and like, I really try hard when I do something and sometimes I don't do it that easily and it takes me a while. It just, there's just something that I end up like, I can't help it. It's like I'm so uh, fucking like surprised maybe is the word for it. <laughs> no, but yeah, sorry. I think I I think it was on the Crail Tap couch or something and I said that. And then I thought about it after. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of a drag, huh?" What a bummer. <laughs> that's your swag though. Everyone loves it. Yeah, well, thanks, man. You know those things where you like kind of embarrassed and like I, I saw like some, I saw Ishad or somebody, and it was in a video, and he's like yeah. saying it after. I was like, I was like, oh man, I just assume everybody's like making fun of me all the time. So I oh, don't even hell no, 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 that's not one of we those. We love it, man. That's not one of those ones where it's like, 
laughing at you. That's just that was such a legendary quote. And, uh, when a, when a and clip too. Ashad said that in the real video, right after uh, our boy Robbie. I think he backtailed a hubba, and then Ashad said it. Like uh-huh. yeah, but that was just like yep. paying homage to to your original. Oh, quote that's cool. Sin. I love that shit. That's rad, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's cool. It's it's like yeah, it's 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 cool. To, that's a good feeling though. That's it's nice to hear that. I think every skater out there has said that oh, at least yeah. once or twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if you skate and you you watch your videos and you know the history, like you've said that with your friends before, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I, I like. I never thought that I would have like a uh, a famous quote. I never that wasn't wasn't something I was. It like, might oh, be shit. like the most famous quote in skating. I know, I know, because I have it. seen it tagged on like Instagram and different things where I'm like, or somebody you know people will ask or something, and I'm like. I'm like shit. Yeah, that's definitely uh, got around. That's up, dude. I've I've definitely said it after getting a clip. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying it now. I'm gonna yeah, start like <laughs> saying it now after. Like I haven't said it since that day. I'm gonna be like, all right, now. But it's gonna Bring be it like, yeah, fucked up off Kool Aid. But it, I just love that quote because you can apply it to any achievement in life. It doesn't just have to be like totally. a skate clip, you know? <laughs> Absolutely yeah. right. Yep. You finish yeah. the dishes and you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah get a promotion at work uh, anything yeah you gotta have worked like you gotta have like really be like on the verge of just like absolute like i am i'm 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 done i can't take it anymore and you come through yeah. i'm getting fucked up tonight <laughs> and then everybody go all right all right we understand we know hell yeah, hell yeah. so you beat us to it but there's one more clip we got to go behind the scenes on Take us behind the scenes on switch flip front lip, fucking Ender in the Death Wish video, and I think it was a cover as well, right? Yeah, yeah, Atiba shot it. It was a cover of Skateboard Mag. Um, yeah. Jeez. But you know, like I think I was at the time I was skating um, Costin and Barrows Park a lot. It was a private park at the time, and uh, mm. it was kind of it was maybe it was it was the barracks at the time but it was maybe like right before it but they had like it was all the you know like dream spots and all the stuff and i i remember like kind of learning how to switch flip lip slide on one of the rails they had there like skating that spot their park was like the first time i ever had access to be able to like skate a skate park rail like a real mm-hmm. like a real one you know like that was like they yeah. built a rail that was like a real nine stair or eight stair rail and you could just sit there and try till you didn't want to try anymore. I think I learned switch flip tail slides on that rail they had there. And then I was like getting into switch flip lip slides. And I was kind of like, shit, you know, that trick just works kind of easy, like big spins for me. And then I was like, that's a perfect rail, that USC one, because it's a wooden rail, but it's so steep. It doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah. And I remember like kind of needing that, like you want to, it's weird because you got to kind of pop it high and up and over on that. Yeah. But like you, you can't really... I, I couldn't do it on like a 12 stair rail because I'd, I'd be afraid of sacking on it if you miss. But it's just short enough to where you can kind of get on, slide. But then if it goes wrong, you can kind of like tap and, and jump. Right. And um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know if I had ever even landed it maybe on, on their rail. But when I landed it, it was like one of those things where that took took a while, like everything, like I said. But that one happened maybe like almost i was like holy shit did i just land that good like i actually <laughs> made that good yeah that was the part of this this dance i did on that one which was like i can't believe i made that that good yeah that was a <laughs> that stunned the fuck out of me like it probably 
stunned. <laughs> like, well, like you I, see I honestly Costa I in the background. He's tripping too. He was stunned. He didn't. I, I can't do that. That's not like. <laughs> you did that, Doc. I did that, and he was like, "Did he? I can't believe he did that." No, that was that was cool though. He, he's you know he's one of those people though. It's like Kareem Costin. Like if they're at a spot, you're gonna you gotta do it. You're gonna like yeah. if there's no even to this day if I'm in a spot and you could take me to a, something I'd be super scared of. I'd lie and say I caveman board slid the rail if Costin <laughs> was there, yeah. and then I would do it. Yeah, that works. Yeah, I remember I remember I had a subscription to Skateboard Mag, and when I got that one in the mail it was like one of those double takes on well you know when you like flip it to see what the cover is i'm like is that a kickflip board i'm like that's not that gnarly for a cover and then it's like <laughs> switch flip front lip and i'm like what the fuck are you serious sick that's cool so it, Unheard it was of, sick man. when that clip finally came out man that was ahead of its time for sure Yeah, it took a little while I, I and think. it lived up to the cover too like it was perfect yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah that was actually i i, I forgot because we were filming i think it was shortly after the no, it was not shortly after, but it was after the like we had started the you know Baker Boys and all that. But it was like right when we kind of Deathwish was because I think I even spray painted the our the the Deathwish logo on the board. I remember even spraying it, and then because uh, I I think it did yeah that was it right yeah something like that whatever or I was riding a Baker board or something. But the death it was for, it was in the Deathwish video which was like. Yeah four years four years later and mm. this is like i'm obviously i'm like beating a dead horse saying this but it takes me a long time to like get a full part together it always has except that one time except of the the, the misled you yeah you know you know like if i got a trick like a switch lip lip i'm saving that like now people put tricks out on instagram like a front crook down a 14 stair <laughs> they crank out video parts like i'm like it's nuts that's crazy to me. Yeah. People are so good. It's insane how good people are. The sick thing about the switch flip front lip was that sometimes if you do something that crazy, you're like scared someone else might do it before you put yours out. But that trick was so far mm. ahead of its time that like four years went by and still no one had done one. <laughs> Untouchable. <laughs> That's cool. That's good. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's pretty good. You've had some of the best pro model shoes ever in the skate game. The Double E Americas were on everyone's wish list as kids. What was the inspiration behind those shoes? Thank you. That's, uh, yeah. Um, this is, so, I take pride in whatever it is that's going to be, like, a part of my, you know, if it's going to have my name on it or if it's something I'm designing for, you know, when I got that uh, that opportunity to design a shoe, I was like, dude, I'm fucking like on it, you know. So mm -hmm. I was, you know, I've always been into like, like sneakers, like basketball, and like like type of shoes, you know. Like I, I'm not I'm not like a sports guy, like I said, but I always liked those kind of shoes. Like that's like I liked actions. I like those style of shoes. So mm -hmm. it was um it was uh I saw this Allen Iverson uh, Reebok, which it had this like it had a oh yeah. Like, you remember it was? I think it was. It might have been the his third shoe. Oh wow! I can really see the connection. I never thought about that. Yeah, me either. So I I was at uh, I was at Foot Locker because I used to buy I used to buy you know it wasn't like a big sneaker thing at the time you know but I would buy like Nikes and stuff. I got kicked off America for riding skating Nikes at a Tampa contest. Wow! I think about it what? now. 
I mean, because it's funny because like now, obviously, you know, it would be like crazy to do that because, you know, but th at the time I was like, it's not even skate shoes. Like I'm skating in Nike. Like it, it's like, yeah. you can't, I didn't realize you can't skate a contest in Nikes. And then, <laughs> and then, and especially, especially cause I was like, kind of like unknown and I was like getting flowed from America and I showed up, this is the type of shit I do. Like that's the dumb shit I do. <laughs> And they kicked me off and I was like, fuck America, you know, like I couldn't believe they would do that. Anyway, that was like around the time, like somewhere in between, like either it was after action or before action or something like that. But um, yeah, like so my inspiration for that came from came from the Allen Iverson. And it was like this dipped kind of thing he had where like he had, you know, it was like the upper. It was like half and half, right? Yeah, yeah, it was half and half, but the way that the upper was like split with the outsole with the rubber, it was like you basically could color it all the way through. So the shoe looked like it was dipped in paint or something. And like, I just always was like, what? It, it just looked so cool to me. That shoe particularly had a zipper on the front. You know, yeah. it zipped up the shoe. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I bought the black pair. It was black and white. Ooh. And I remember rocking those and I was... Yeah, I was like, I took sort of like, I, I, I was inspired by like Kareem's um, KCK shoe, which I think was inspired heavily by the by the Reebok, you know, the, the OG like Reebok shoe. Um, so it was like a little bit of that, a little bit of the DC Lynx, a little bit of the, the Allen Iverson. And then, and then, you know, like that was kind of the, the whole thing. To put that whole color blocking, I, I remember like, you know, when, when, I, when I asked to do the, the, the red and gray, it was at a time when like America didn't really have a lot of colors in the in the lineup of shoes. So they had like a brown shoe, a black, a black and white, and then maybe like a a white or something. But yeah, I was like, I was like, fuck. I, I always liked kind of just a little bit more like extravagant looking shit. So I was like, yeah, let's make this red and gray looking one. And then they're like, well, it's not gonna sell, but we'll make it for you to entertain you. <laughs> And that happened to be the one that people liked the most. You of know? course. I mean, I think that sometimes the first thing, though, is like your first pro model or your first, you know, like it's like Nas's first out, whatever. I'm not saying I'm not comparing myself to Nas. I'm just saying, you know, when somebody's first thing comes out, it's like all that thing goes into that one thing. Like, so mm -hmm. it was basically like that color, that shoe, that era for me. I could try and recreate that for the rest of my life. I would never come up with something as yeah. good as that, you know, because there's so much dedication into that one moment that you actually made it, you know, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like your first video part, your first, yeah. you know, a lot of those firsts are like, for, for me, the process of motivation of finding something new and different outside of that is its own whole process after that, right? So like coming up with something that's you're equally as passionate about afterward that you've, you've got to find in a different way. Right. You know, like like if it's another shoe. So I tried to kind of recreate that shoe with Supra when I left and, you know, all this other stuff. And it was like I liked it. So I wanted to recreate it. But like there was a magic to the first one and the first color and all that sure. that would never be like recreated. Yeah. It was funny because America tried to put the shoe out, too, after I left and called it a vet or something like that. <laughs> vet. And they turned the EE sideways. Oh, really? No, they turned it sideways. Yeah, yeah. It was like, remember how it was like this? It was kind of vertical, the E, you know, like it was <laughs> yeah. like, or wait. Yeah, it was this way. They turned it the other way to where they said it was like an America E. -E. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, yeah, it's funny. It was, uh, and then I remember asking, like, are you guys really going to keep running that? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so after America, you had a long stint with uh, Super Shoes. 
how was that mm-hmm. ride and then how did that come to an end well i'll tell you i guess how it came to an end i'll get to how it started uh, my, uh, my friend angel started the company so like he was the one who started tsa and crew and at the time he wanted to do crew shoes you know like he wanted to make a you know a shoe company and so like he approached me him and i became close through the crew days and all that and then uh and then, you know, Andrew and I were all obviously close before and, and, you know, and he was like, he approached us both to start this new company, you know, and we were both down and whatever. And like, we were going to get ownership and all this stuff. And then I think, I don't know, I always have this, I, this thing in my head, like, I don't want to regret not taking a chance on doing something. So I'm like a little bit like maybe even sometimes too ambitious with stuff to a fault, you know, but I was like, fuck it, you know, like my shoe was selling really well in America and it was doing like... You know, I had my second shoe that did really well. And then the third shoe I was designing was like, you know, and the money was really good and it was a crew. And and then when I had that opportunity, I was like, oh, I can get ownership and I can actually like be a part of designing the entire line, which I felt like was the next step for me was like kind of helping more of like a, you know, more design and stuff Mm -hmm. and team and all that other stuff. And then I think, you know, obviously, you know, Andrew is a, you know, like really important guy on America. And they were like, hey, here's a bunch of money and, and this, it, we want you to stay. Whereas me, they're like, go on now, do your thing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so when that happened, I was like, well, there's a, there's a little bit more risk now for me. So I, I, I wanted more, you know, ownership. So I got to kind of get the, you know, the, the rest of the ownership on that. So for me, that deal was really like the reason I even did that in the first place was because it was like the opportunity to start and have ownership in a shoe company when I thought even skateboarding for a shoe company in the beginning was a total dream to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when that all happened, Jim or Tom Penny and Antoine and then Jim was the next person on and it was just like then it was kind of building this thing of like you know, it, it became like kind of like a board company at that point. It was like the next person that got on, you know, it was like Terry Kennedy or Ali Bilala or, you know, like it was like this crew of Stevie and all these people that were like either they were like Muska and, you know, obviously Chad was a huge part of the success of that. And it was like either people that were like iconic or just like this crew of people that really could like be uh, travel well together, you know, yeah. like it was different than like your your typical thing. And that was like one of the raddest experiences, like where, um, you know, just to be like kind of on the inside of that and then to see the the world outside of skateboarding except something that came from skateboarding you know like Mm -hmm. like so so with the sky top with it being like you know you know such a unique shoe there was people like you know jay-z and justin timberlake and you know like tons of celebrities and slash from guns N' roses everybody was wearing the shoe you know and it got to be this like huge company that that was um you know it was a it was a it was a pretty rad experience um but your question was, how did that end? And there was sort of a, a stage of buyouts that happened where there was some capital investment that came in and it bought some of the original partners out and then it kind of moved on and, and then and then it was like kind of ramped up to, to sell and then it sold to a, um, a, a group from like a, uh, like a retail group. Uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and when that happened, when that happened, it was sort of the beginning of the end where like they sort of started implementing a lot of their employees in the mix and something that comes from a creative aspect, you know, like it's a it's an art project or it's a, you know, like within skateboarding, 
it's such an expression of your creativity and the way that you do something versus uh, like somebody that's trained at MIT to come in and do that job. You know, so it's like once that once that like sort of part of it is cut out um, and, and then all these like formal employees start coming in thinking they know how to edit a video or or put out this content or drive this revenue to this one to get these uh um uh you know um influencers to wear you know all this other bullshit and it was kind of like that was a very bad sign it sort of started to look very um unattractive to me and then and then a, a few years sort of you know rode and you know at the time i was kind of like you know i i you know, it's, you know, a large part of my income. And I was like, fuck, you know, like this is looking a little weird. I started kind of thinking about what I wanted to do, you know, outside of that. And I had some ideas. And then there was a second group that came in and bought it out or it was about to or something, you know, whatever happened. It was like getting close or something. And I was like, this looks so awful. Like it looks, it's such like the opposite of what we started. And it was yeah. like the worst possible thing. And I was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck how much money I'm getting paid. Like I quit. I, it was just like, this is like a, you know, not in a, just in a way of like my rep, me, my personal, like, like I, I couldn't, my, like, I don't know if it's pride or not ego, but it's just like, like my, my, I can't, I won't do that. You know, like it's too, it's lame mm-hmm. to me. And, and I, and I left. And at the same time I was kind of like, I wanted to start, you know, like I wanted to start a shoe company that was sort of a a little similar in a way where like it was, you know, shoes that I could skate in, but then like, you know, stuff that I would wear if I wasn't really skating, you know, like I wanted it to be kind of a mix of that. And then obviously a couple of years of just the ideas and everything, like I started to try and manufacture shoes and I like skate shoes in China. And I was like, I was doing all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? Like I sort of saw that a lot of the companies that I grew up looking up to were going out of business or having a really hard time. And like companies like Nike and Adidas and like, you know, and in Vans, which like those companies were killing it and they were doing, you know, like having like, how was I going to do something better than those companies could do when the yeah. companies that I saw come from skateboarding were either failing or having a difficult time doing it. And mm-hmm. there was nothing that it was like, to me, it was just like, I'll wear uh, the I'll wear the whatever skate shoes I want to wear, and I'll make shoes that I that I can do. You know that I can have like a sort of a little more freedom to make whatever it is that I want to. Right? You know, mm-hmm. to have the freedom to be able to like design without like limitations of like material or or like or you know because if you're designing a skate shoe, you know the thing can't be two or three hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or something. You just you know. You, you're going to like tear it up. So it's like, what's the point of that? You know, so you have to kind of design within a certain price point, you know? So I was like, you know, I I kind of throughout like, you know, the, the, you know, 10 years prior, I felt like I had done those things and I had like, it was really fun. And I like, I thought like I, you know, I had those experiences of doing things that I never imagined I could do. And then I was like, well, I think that as far as like, you know, phases in your life, I thought that was maybe the next phase for me was just, I kind of had like a guerrilla training or something in like how to design stuff and how to like run companies or something. So I thought like, well, I'll just try this and I'll, I'll make shoes wherever I feel like it. Mm-hmm. So like you said, there were some rumors that you and Herman and some other homies were going to start another shoe brand. A lot of people assumed that it was going to be skate shoes, but you've since started human recreational services, a luxury shoe brand. First off, can we get a box? We trying to look extra fly in the streets. <laughs> and second, how's it going so far? 
Hell yeah, you guys get a box for sure. Um, so, you know, with the with the whole thing is like, you know, my intention was to kind of like start a part skate shoes and then part just shoes that I wanted to make, whatever. Like if I wanted to make a dress shoe or a house shoe or, or whatever, like, you know, I could kind of do it. But then if you're trying to like design within like, um, you know, a certain price range, it, and if I had to keep that to like, you know, uh, making a shoe for 25 you know, dollars or $20 to sell it, you know, where somebody buys it for 80 or a hundred or whatever. And then if I go and make this nice dress shoe that I want to go to, uh, you know, Italy to make this shoe. And then, and then that one ends up costing $500. It's a really, you know, weird kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like one or the other in a way, you know, I st- was, maybe this was like the whole idea and stuff, like the conception of it was like over the past few years. And like, you know, there was definitely like there was people that I was wanting to get involved in it, you know, when I was going to do skate shoes. And I, I was already kind of in development with a shoe and, and, and like a, a skate shoe. And and it was there was a couple people that I had in mind that like I really had admired their style. And like mo- it was a little bit more like how I kind of grew up you know, with skating, it was like Lucian Clark and Brian Herman and like, you know, Keith Hardy. And it was just like a crew of people that like, I don't know, I, I just, I just kind of appreciated the way that they like just carried themselves in general, not just on a skateboard, you know? So, and it was kind of like, that was the idea. And then as it sort of time went on and it sort of morphed and I realized sometimes I have an idea comes to me and then like, and if I sleep on it and then, a, and, a, and then a week and a month and a, and a year pass, I go, okay, I take a lot of time to make decisions because like, I think that, you know, certain things deserve the amount of time to like figure it out. You know, like you'll look at something that you, you know, maybe whether you painted a picture or or you watched a movie or whatever it was, and then a few years pass. And if you really like it after that time has passed, then it's something that, you know, you, it wasn't just something that you liked at the moment, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think given the time that, that it took to sort of go through that process of like trying to make the shoes, I realized I was like, I just kind of want to make like, I want to just, you know, skate and whatever, you know, like whatever I want to do and maybe something works out with that. And, and I get, you know, like I, and I ride for a skate shoe company, but I want to make shoes that I always dreamed of like trying to make or, or like things that I kind of admired growing up whether the influence of it was from, you know, from my, my stepdad or, or my father or from, you know, people I grew up to, you know, idolizing skateboarding or, or musicians and, you know, and different artists and stuff. I wanted to kind of bring, you know, with the brand, I wanted to be, I wanted to create our version of a, of a luxury menswear brand, you know, like where it was like, you know, luxury my interpretation of that through the lens of skateboarding and our culture, you know, and things mm-hmm. that I grew up in the, you know, late eighties and through the nineties. And with this, the most important thing to me is the quality of what I'm doing, you know, and, and I, and that's, you know, like the shoes are all made in Italy and, you know, they cost me, you know, a couple hundred dollars to make each pair and I don't make a ton of them, you know, but it's like, if the inspiration comes from, you know, Axl Rose to Nick Cave to, you know, Wu-Tang or Tom Penny, or there's all these things that I'm pulling from where it's like, whether it's from skating or from things that I've, you know, been influenced through skating or through, that's what I want to design, you know? And like, it's definitely something that's super challenging because I've never like made stuff at that level sold into the, that kind of market. But, you Mm -hmm. know, I feel like this is something that I've been like kind of dreaming of for a long time. And, and, you know, like, and that, that's kind of like, in 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 a long story that's sort of how i how the road ended up where i'm making like you know 
luxury shoes in Italy and you know and all that that's crazy man it makes perfect sense like when you explain it how the trajectory changed where it's like okay Nike Adidas Vans kind of dominating the market like let me go in this this lane and then yeah. skate whatever shoes I want like it makes perfect and that's sense. the that's the thing is like I, I love I love designing stuff like that too but like if I'm gonna try and make you know my own brand and it's gonna survive through like you know through whatever's gonna happen I'm gonna just shoot for the stars and like try and make you know you know make it like this which has been really it's been really fun you know like it's some next level shit you know like it's really nice dude the the loafers are so fresh man thanks man I appreciate that it, it's um you know well, you know when I when I see the stuff and I see them developing it and I, I went to Italy and I visited and met the owner of the factory and you know they do production for you know Balmain and uh, Saint Laurent and you know like brands like that and, and that's Damn. those are the shoes that, that my brand is being made next to and I'm like I'm, I'm really proud of it you know like it's, it's it's pretty cool hell yeah man they look fly as fuck thanks so the big three of yourself Reynolds and Greco quite the heavy trio one thing you guys have in common is the ability to age like fine wine as far as your talent on the board <laughs> throughout your career your parts all three of you man your your parts just got you specifically like thrill of it all misled youth this is skateboarding baker three like somehow you kept topping yourself even when logic would suggest that age would get in the way thank you what's your secret to, to longevity on the board Man, I appreciate you saying that. It's really nice. Um, you know, I mean, I, I can't speak for them. I mean, I guess I can. We're all sober, you know, like, so So I think that, you know, as far as like, you know, being it for me, being able to continue to do something, you know, like if I'm not like drinking myself crazy every night and using drugs and smoking and, you know, like a lot of stuff, then, you know, obviously like I could be healthier. And then I think we all like truly love skateboarding, you know, so so I think like if you really are into something, you know, as much as I think we all are, you know, like, it's like, you guys are doing a, a podcast on it. It's like, this is what we live and breathe, you know? So I think like, naturally, you're just, you're in tune with something, you know, like, and, and I think whether you're, uh, you know, less the ability or the, you know, like my, my pop isn't maybe what it used to be, or, or there's certain things where you're like, you know, I can get like kind of down on myself sometimes, but then I'm like, you know what, like, if I'm doing something and I really love it and like, and I'm, and I'm still like excited to do it, you know, I may not do it every single day, all day, you know, but it's like, I don't know. I think that's like part of the, the, the magic of something that like, I've never really been into anything like that. I've been doing it for like 30 plus years. And I, you know, it's like maybe from that um, perspective is, is that maybe that's why, you know, those guys, you know, can keep being, you know, you look at that, look at their footage or something and you're like, yeah, I, I, I like it. I like seeing Jim's footage and Andrew's footage too. You know, it's like, it's kind of cool too, because it's like, you know, Jim's not back lip and 16 stair rails anymore, but what he's doing, you know, creatively, it's like, it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it motivates me. Same thing with Andrew too, you know, like it's pretty cool. Definitely. But you know, loving what you're doing and, 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 uh, and, being focused you know without the um without the influence of like being you know wasted or you know being sober or whatever mm -hmm. definitely damn i was hoping you were gonna have like a a quick an easy, actual secret a little <laughs> oh. secret like drink pineapple juice and i could fucking go skate hollywood 16 or yeah, a couple yeah, dinner yeah, recipes yeah. <laughs> oh you know what um i i have been stretching recently though that's a i, I this is something i've been 
very adamantly against most of my life. I don't, I, I'm not like, um, it's such, a, it's such like a, it's like, dude, do you fucking have to do that? You know, like, it's like, you know, it, one of those, one of those things where you, but the preparation of it is kind of frustrating, but I, I've been yeah. like, I've been getting a little bit better at it lately where I'm like, okay, just like what I was talking about in the beginning, like meditation or something. And, and I try as much as I can to do some yoga because like, you know, that, that does help. But like, definitely, you know, that's what I got to get into more. Cause like right now, like, man, like I'm my, my like muscles in my lower back and stuff get super tight. So I'm like, I know what I got to do. You know, you just like, it's like taking better care of yourself too, mm-hmm. which I, which I'm trying to do. Trying. So skateboarding is one of the weird things where alcohol and drugs go hand in hand with it mm-hmm. in a lot of cases and can even be glorified depending on the brand and team's dynamics. What are your thoughts on the link between skating and partying? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know what's funny is like it's like saying that it's like it, it almost seems like it's less now than what it like maybe used to be in the era before mine and like my late 80s and kind of, you know, that that generation, you know, like I think that like the way I the way I grew up skating, I was in, you know, I was in Alaska. I was that's kind of a, a bit of a hick kind of town. You know, I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. uh in in 1988 it wasn't like a very accepted thing to do you know and i think like skateboarding in the beginning or you know like not like a commercially accepted it's like a you know you're kind of an outcast is like it's weird because like right now like i go to drop my son off at school or when i did but you know he when i dropped my son off at school there's like skating is like the cool thing to do now when i grew up it was not the cool thing to do oh no way people people made fun of you in school for doing it and it was kind of like part of it you know like the reason i got into skating was because i wasn't interested in other shit you know so Mm. it was kind of a fuck the world mentality you know so like i think that that like if they're against me then fuck them too you know so like i think that you know alcohol and drugs and that kind of like that mentality is it goes it it went hand in hand for for me and that whole that time definitely and 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 who knows i think people you know like it's a little different now you know like i feel like skaters nowadays are it's a little more accepted and it's a little bit more of like a cooler thing to do like especially like you know at school and people like uh, overall like society the way it looks at it um, and it's in the Olympics and things like that. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I feel like skaters now basically take care of themselves a lot more than, than I think we ever have. Yeah. It's definitely more accepted in the public eye for sure. I feel like skaters are like more into like st- younger skaters, more into like stretching and like basically yeah. taking care of themselves now versus, I mean, I'm not saying that as a whole they are, you know, like, but like, I think versus say 1995, like There's there definitely was, a higher percentage of them that are, yeah. Yeah, like you didn't imagine Kareem stretching at the spot. Like, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, pulled He's up with the foam it. roller. No, I didn't no see way. That. He's got the foam roller. No way. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good point. It. Yeah, maybe it was like more when we were kids. That kind of era, like when you, like Baker, two G. Baker three kind of seemed like there was more partying, like just overall yeah. skating. Obviously, people are still partying, but I, I mean, think about think about who like who our icons were growing up. You know, like it's like 
Christian Asoy or, or like, you know, people of that generation that were like, you know, that was like the, the pinnacle of like people like that. And, and you know, like, and, and that was the coolest thing in the world, right? You know, like, dude, he's like a rock star. And then the music, if you were into anything from like Guns N' Roses to Nas or, or, so, or something like that, that's like part of like making it in whatever it is you do. It went hand in hand with that because all of those things, like whether it was like music or whatever that form was, it was almost like those weren't the most accepted things to do. And then the type of people that get into those, it almost seems like it just gravitates that way. I don't know. that It's like a little bit of a, I mean, that makes sense in a way, but I probably yeah. could have explained it a little bit better. See that? Bunch of rambling. <laughs> oh, you nailed it. Take us inside the America Mansion a little bit. From the outside looking in, looked like the skate house of all skate houses. What was it like living there? Oh my God! Okay, so yeah, that was fun, man. That was um, so that whole thing started because Justin Regan was our good friend who was the team manager and sort of like part kind of creative director or. You know, he had a lot to do with the way that America was. And so he would, he had the idea, you know, like filming the video and kind of getting everybody together. And so, you know, went out looking for uh, like one place that, would, you know, we could all live at. And they found that kind of that dilapidated mansion in the hills. <laughs> and um, it was cool because, you know, it, I think we all went from apartments into this like, you know, into this crazy, you know, crazy house. It was funny too because the room that I had, the next door room to it was was like a bar. You know, it had the mirrors and the and the sink and you know, Oh it, crazy. So, so next to my room I had my own my own bar. It's right next <laughs> to it. And but out of my bathroom, this is funny because it was um the, the house from the front would have been like three stories because of the you know, the way that it, it sat yeah. on the hill. But then in the back it was two stories. But my bathroom had a it was would have been the master bath or whatever. The door um, was locked from the inside, and you know you couldn't you couldn't open it. But when you were on the outside, we had built a quarter pipe and then a flat bar and one of these kiddie pools that ended up turning green and all that. But if you looked up, my door there was nothing a deck or a, it was a balcony at one point. But it was funny because like the backyard was like fully under construction. Like it looked like that house they started the project and they were gonna like do some nice shit to it and just yeah. stopped halfway through. Uh, it was weird it was like it was a nice house if it was fixed up but it was definitely yeah. like it was it was fucking falling apart i drew i drove by it like recently maybe a few months ago oh it's still kicking yeah and the funny thing is is that they probably hustled another group of people so with that place right you got to put a big deposit down because if the rent was like let's just say it was I don't know, ten thousand a month or something like that, right? Well, oh. your deposit is ten or twenty thousand dollars. They took the deposit. Like, I mean, we didn't like. We may have fucked it up a little bit, but yeah. we definitely didn't do. You didn't do ten thousand dollars worth of damage. Or twenty? I don't think so. I mean, we yeah. spray painted the inside of the like this little <laughs> room that we. It was. They needed to mow the place down in the when they yeah. were doing something to it. So basically, what they probably did was threw a coat of paint on for a thousand bucks. And then uh, did that same thing to the next people. How did the neighbors take to you guys? Probably, they probably didn't like us. But, I mean, I don't think we were the first group of people that rented that place. That place was probably known on the block for getting, yeah. you know, just groups of 5, 10, 15 people. I mean, there was like, it was, um, it was me and my wife 
and uh, Andrew Heath, uh, Justin Regan, the team manager, and his wife, uh, John Miner. Uh, there was a, an extra room which was for like uh, Braden and Spanky and Herman when they came up. Uh, and then there was always a few other people that were kind of mingling around. Huge living room. That's so sick. Yeah, it was it was cool. You know, like looking back on it, it was like it was definitely. I mean, we had a quarter pipe and a flat bar in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> we would just go back there, like we'd barbecue back there and whatever. But like it was kind of a, a wreck in the backyard. So mm-hmm. we, it would kind of be like we could do whatever we you know whatever we wanted and once you if the neighbor said anything you just go in the house and nobody can hear you inside yeah. the house you know? as a kid seeing that on video that was like the coolest thing ever man it must have looked pretty cool i can yeah. definitely imagine especially when you see like kids your age like you see like brian herman and spanky or something like damn Skating inside dude i know i know i would like it's funny because i you know heat's kind of a recluse and uh, you you wouldn't see Heath at all, you know. And then and then you'd come down, you know, like you'd be like Heath would come downstairs at like two in the morning, and you'd see him eating ice cream, and then he'd be back in his room, you know. Like <laughs> Heath is a he's a very discreet type of dude. He you just hear that he went and grinded some massive hubba the other night, and you'd just be like, what the fuck, like <laughs> like Zelda. So sick. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. What are you looking most forward to when this damn pandemic passes? Um, getting to see my friends and just getting to like, I don't know, like, it's funny because I was just talking about like how like I, you know, like I grew up and it was kind of like, in a way I was kind of like, I felt like I didn't want to be a part of, of like society or the world, you know, like from that kind of that 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 time in my life and like i just thought like how at the, at this like i'm basically i'm like i'm secluded i'm like isolated i just want to like be out with people like there's like a part of like that i think that you fundamentally like i want to you know it's part of a community i want to be around people i want to be at baker boys i want to like i want to travel to new york and paris and be out and like eating food with friends and like i just want to like I, I yeah that that's what i want you know like I'm looking forward to the physical contact with other people. Yeah, the social life. The social, yeah, yeah, like, like basically, like a lot of hugs. Yeah, you know, like you think, like, I don't know, with something like this, it's probably you know people are going to have a, a challenging time getting back to like shaking hands and stuff like that. Once you realize when those those things that are like the most important things in life get taken away, I mean, we're this is a really good reset, though, you know, like, but I'm saying that from a point of having a house with a backyard and a, and a, and a, and a big family here where like, you know, like that's, I mean, it's definitely like there's people in, in positions where it's a real struggle, you know, like, but, but Mm -hmm. like for me, it's a reset and it's like to go like, here's what's really important. And when you get back out to the world, like you can actually like look at those things with a different like perspective about what your like appreciation for that type of stuff is. So Mm -hmm. Me personally is that is that you know it's it's like um, here's what you were sort of taking for granted and neglecting and now it's taken away and like how much you really value that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's dope, man. Dope way to look at it. <clears throat> so give us a quick Eric Ellington recommendation of any movies, TV shows, or books that people should look into while we have this extra time on our hands. Um. Okay. 
The Aviator about uh, Howard Hughes. It's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays Howard Hughes. But I think there's like I, I, the reason I was thinking of it was because of the, is that the, o- like, the movie where he has like crazy OCD? Yeah, yeah, and he's got so much in his phobia of washing his hands and he, yeah. he no contact with other people. But I was like, I, I was like, kind of getting a kick out of watching some of those scenes. But that's a that's a really good movie. That's always that was one of my one of my favorites. I like start reading a bunch of books, and I would love to give book recommendations. But I'm trying to read this one called Shantaram, which is like a fucking really crazy novel. But um, I probably won't get through it, so ignore that recommendation. Um, um, oh, oh, see, everything I'm thinking of is going to be like really like catastrophic, like apocalyptic. War of the Worlds. There's a series on uh, on that. You know the the Orson Welles War of the Worlds. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The aviator man i it's funny that you were just talking about the america mansion um i don't know if spencer ever told you he used to basically live in like the canadian equivalent in vancouver oh really he never said anything about that yeah it was like him and wade and some other like oh, pretty big no name way. like canadian skaters uh they had this big ass house in vancouver and uh i was staying with them for like a couple of weeks at one point and we all watched the aviator together it was my first time seeing it it was fucking epic it's a good one, right? Yeah, yeah, so good. I know. It's like I I get I get kind of motivated when I watch it. I'm like, dude, he is I mean, I think you know, he's got a really dark side. Howard Hughes did, but like mm-hmm. it's like obsession and passion with like whatever it was that he was doing. I mean, like I mean, think about like smoothing out airplanes for the 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 aerodynamics of them or something when nobody had ever thought of something like that because of rivets yeah. you know like you, you know or 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 when he got in the uh the plane the plane accident here in Beverly Hills and was was in the hospital bed and redesigned the hospital beds to be motorized he designed <laughs> those wow having the ability to take whatever situation you're in and think of something that can improve on that Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, from movies to like mechanical parts to like, you know, the way an airplane flies or the, you know, the type of airplane all the way down to like, you know, you're in a hospital bed and you go, how the, how can I make that different or better? You know, it's pretty cool. Uh, I got to watch that one again, man. I only saw it that one time yeah. with the boys. Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost, and this week, it's an honor to be presented by Skaters Vote. Be a voice for change and register to vote. Skaters Vote is helping everyone rolling in the U.S. register to vote. You can follow them at at skatersvote on Instagram, or go to skatersvote.com to register online, get resources on upcoming elections, and more. You can make it happen. Register, research, and keep pushing for positive change. We got EE in the building. You ready for that rapid fire, cuz? I'm ready. (laughs) Favorite skater? (laughs) Matt Hensley. Favorite video? Hocus Pocus. Favorite video part? Guy Mariano in the blind video. Favorite style? Keenan Milton. Sick. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Mike Carroll. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? Eric Costin. Favorite trick? Switch kickflip. Ooh. Hardest trick for you? Nolly half cab. <laughs> Most illegal trick? Uh, <laughs> uh, body varial. 
favorite clip you've ever gotten? You might not remember. Well, kickflip frontside nose slide on this. Um, no, 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 no. Same spot. It was at night. Kickflip nose slide fakie. The fakie. Um, Yo. Yeah, the green rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. It's um the I forget what they what they called it. San Juan Capistrano or something like the Dana Point rail. That's what it was. Yo, I I Dana love Point that rail. clip. I was just usually before we Thanks. interview someone, we'll like rewatch all their parts. And I was watching yeah. that, and I was just, just a, a little confused on the order because I thought the kick nose fakie was so sick, and then switch flip front tail, and then I always thought the kick front nose was kind of a random last trick, because switch flip front tail yeah. was so insane at that time. Yeah, I. You know what's weird is like that that one. I was so like, yeah, I think that I, it was such a tap, but. You know, I think that if the kickflip front nose had a few angles, then it would have been like a little bit more like mm-hmm. it was a kind of a one angle and it was sort of down in the in the pocket of it. Like, but I think like sometimes if I pick something for the last trick, it's almost like because it was like harder for me, even though it might not right. be like that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's almost like you're like, oh, like that was like in the Baker three video, I was going to use the big spin front slide board slide on Mount Sac, the, the big, the kind of steep hubba. Yeah, I had yeah, two yeah. different shoes on. Yeah. And because that was, that was another one of those things where it was like, you know, even though the one down Carlsbad took me longer, but it was like, to me, like that was like the, the, like that was your ender. That was it. Like, but, but it, but at the same time or whatever, that didn't even make any sense because the other one was harder, but like that was the <laughs> one I felt like should have been the ender. But, um, yeah, that like um, capable nose life fakey. How did I make a ten second answer? Fucking five minutes. No, it's all good, dude. That <laughs> okay. kick nose fakey really really stuck out. I love like the, the trick you. selection on that. Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? I saw Jamie Foyt backside Smith grind through a double kink rail, <laughs> and and it was like it was just it was it blew my mind. I I, I can't even believe that you know he could do that. Wow, but you know something like seeing you know seeing Andrew back in the day frontside flip um, Silvergate it was like a a big thirteen or fourteen like second try and I thought like geez like that is, you know the ability to do something that gnarly second try is is crazy yeah yeah what's the one trick that got away everything that I try <laughs> have tried over the last year. Um, I almost switched kickflip tail slid the same one that I switched kickflip lip slid. You know the Damn. one we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I landed on that a few times and broke my board, and like that was that was one. Damn. Oh, I did film a line with Beagle recently that he fucking blew. He totally missed it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like at this stage, I'm like, you know, and I was like, I don't give a fuck. I, I really, it was, it was fine. It wasn't like the craziest thing, but at this stage, I'm like, whatever I get, I, can, I gotta get it. I can't be uh, I can't be having shit be missed. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? <laughs> um, I don't think see. that's in the Baker Deathwish blood, man. Bunt. Oh, I probably. You know what? I'm probably guilty of it. Like I probably said I was gonna like big spin front board the like Wilshire 15 or something. Yo, in the Beagles tape of you trying the impossible down Hollywood. Sinner was bunting some switch tray flips. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my god! Yeah, he's. 
Oh my God! There was a kid that used to claim he was gonna frontside flip it every single time. <laughs> I loved him. He was this kid, Don P. He was he was like a Hollywood high local, but I, I always loved him. I used to give him shoes and stuff. But man, he used to tell me every time, like, "Hey, I gotta get that frontside flip down the twelve. I was like, "You get it? I'll put it in my part. Like, I'll put it in there." And I swear, if he'd have done it, I'd have put it in my part. But when he would try, I was just like, mm, "I don't know." You're a genuine dude too. I'm sure you would have put it in there. I swear I was I was so ready to put it in my part. <laughs> but like of all the of all the bunts, I probably was like I, seriously I, I like was there was a time at Tampa at the contest where like I clearly probably shouldn't have been skating and I was like I thought well I was trying to like flail out a kickflip over the pyramid and then and land backside nose blunt slide down the rail. <laughs> I knew damn well i wasn't gonna do that like i knew it you know but i was like i was so the night was so long and i was out with every you know like i was you know i was i was really off out of my mind the next day and like and i thought instead of embarrassing myself trying to kickflip over the pyramid which i probably couldn't have done in the condition i was in either i'll just throw this out there and my friend <laughs> my friend you know years later he was like he didn't know me at the time he was like man i was looking at you like what the fuck is he trying <laughs> and uh and it it always made me laugh so like that is actually that would be it like my my attempt at that that is the literal definition of a bunt i love oh it. absolutely yeah like <laughs> like my my friend you know dom Pease or whatever his his frontside flip doesn't come close to um, my own <laughs> one at, at Tampa Pro. High out of my mind. Love it. What's yeah. the last new trick you learned? I've actually been trying to like kind of learn tricks lately, or like I feel like I I have a little more patience, you know, like being sober and and all this. Like I'm like you know I, I have a little more patience, but <laughs> I learned this was maybe a month ago. Um, Nolly inward heel flip frontside nose slide on a oh, ledge dude Sick. damn so good dude that's beast 42 and you learn nollie and radio front nose yeah i impressed myself so sick like on on one of these times when i left alaska with my mom i like lived in mississippi for like six months so i had this concrete slab that i would skate every day and like that was all i really had for a while so i like got pretty good at skating flat ground and like there's certain tricks that i could you know, like have haven't you know? All right, I still can do like in you know maybe like I I do like and I don't film you know. Mm-hmm. So like nolly inward heel is is one of them. Like I don't really think I've ever filmed a nolly inward heel. Yeah. Maybe the other day I put one up on Instagram. Like that trick. There's like there's a couple things that I just never got around to filming. So I was always like, oh cool, you know, like maybe, you know, I I really have this goal of filming a video part. I had it for this year, but I mean like. It's not really starting off that great, yeah. um, but like I, I want to like I want to film a, a part that I, I I'm proud of that I that's got like things that people may have you know never never seen that I've never done in a in a video part. So like that would be one of them, and yeah, you know, like dude, certain things like that. You got to bring your switch varial heels back, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one. Yeah, yeah. I forgot you did that one. So sick. Yeah, I yeah switch real heel, switch backside heel, switch inward heel. I could do that one too. Damn, tech guy. Oh, <laughs> tech guy. There you go. Yep. Tech guy's coming out for 2020 and 21. Hell yeah! Dream job after skating. I am living it. I don't know. I mean, uh, like I don't. I don't know. That's what's up. 
Uh, that's the best answer we could get, yo. All right, then, yeah, I'm living it. Straight up. Favorite local brand? You know, our friend Mike has a skate shop called Lottie's, and he does, uh, he does his own, like, custom, like, hand-drawn, like, drawings on pants and stuff, and mm-hmm. I think that's pretty sick. So, yeah, Lottie's pants. Hell yeah. Those are sick. Favorite local skater? Zach Allen. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, I guess it would be Apollo Bags. Like the black park company. True. Forgot about yeah. those. <laughs> Do you guys ever heard of that? Yeah. They tried to make a shoe company. This is a little side note here. They they uh, they they started making a shoe company, and they and this was like right when I was starting to design my America shoe, and they were like, "We'll pay you a ton of money," and it was called Nadia. Hmm. And and they and they got Ronnie Krieger on. Yeah, I remember that. Damn. And I had this feeling. I was like, mm, I don't think I can do that. I just don't know. Uh, I don't see that one working out for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, like, I dodged a bullet on that one. That was crazy. Like, I take chances on stuff. Like, when I was like, oh, you know, Angel and crew, he knew what he was doing with TSA and he had the right, like, things going. And I was like, I think we can make this work. Boy, the other one. Uh uh-uh. uh. Damn. Good on you, man. Good instincts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something. Favorite teammate ever? Ed Templeton. Oh. Worst teammate ever. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Frank Harada. He tried to kick me out of shotgun one time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no no, man. <laughs> That's so bad. Yeah, because he was pro. He said that too. He's like, I'm pro, your aunt. <laughs> That's amazing. Dude, uh, fucking people, dude. They're crazy. <laughs> Worst company. Um, you know, I, I have to say, like, I have to say blind. Because it was just, I mean, it was so it was so epic. Like, it was just, that's like one of those things, like, it's, you know, you're the, the, the best thing it could, the best possible brand it could be. Yeah. You know, I don't usually say negative stuff, but that's a pretty bad one. Yeah, no, I feel, I feel you on that. <laughs> yeah, we understand. <laughs> That's a, yeah. One of our best friends rode for them forever, man. What's his name? Uh, Morgan Smith. Oh, right. What was the what was the Canadian, what, the dude that wore the long shirt? Oh, oh Grant. Grant Patterson. Yeah, That's yeah, our, yeah. He nolly flipped the 15. Yeah, yeah. That's our dog, too. That's our boy. He yeah. was sick. Is he still, is he still ripping? Yeah, he was the third sick. guy we ever had on the show. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they were all part of the plan. We grew up worshiping him and then became like good friends with him eventually, but yeah, he's like such a legend around here. Oh, I bet. I mean, he is. Yeah. He's got a legendary nollie flip, too. Yeah. That was filmed from it, like the way he, I mean, he was like fucking shot out of a cannon. That was insane. (laughs) Yeah. He had like four or three or four like 411 openers, all like crazy nollie shit. Yeah. 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 Worst trend. Gauge earrings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Can definitely agree on that. <laughs> Worst style. <laughs> all right, all right. Bill Weiss. <laughs> You're picking Bill Weiss for worst style. I love Bill. I love Bill Weiss, but he didn't have a great style. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god! I'll take it. <laughs> what a legend. 
I mean, like, come on, you guys, you guys, yeah, you guys naked half the time. God damn it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there was this one thing, this one thing he did. And I like, I call a Canadian out how to honest oh, Canadian God. show. <laughs> you remember the footage in 411 where he ollied up this really high, like, like it was like a stage. Mm-hmm. His feet were together, like, <laughs> absolutely together. <laughs> And it was like, I still to this day, I'm like, that's like the best footage I've ever seen. <laughs> Last person you want on the sesh? Um, I, I guess I, I hate to do it to him again. I mean, I don't hate to do it to him, but I, it's just, it's the second time I'll see him. But Frank Harada would probably be the last person, I guess. <laughs> Damn, this guy's banned from everything. And now he's banned well, from your sessions, too, man. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Poor bastard, Frank. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up our interview with the one and only Eric Ellington. Man, can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Dude, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. That was uh, that was fun. Hell yeah. Thanks, legend. And now, everyone's favorite segment of the bunt fanboy of the week (laughs) and sadly i fucked it right up last week you know it was the first time doing it so mistakes can be made beta weeda huge apologies to you you were actually backing us up against the guy who was talking shit zephyr come or whatever his name is so beta weeda big time apologies you bunk gang for life and you getting a free bump box because I fucked that shit up so bad. <laughs> That's how we do it. Donald coming out the gate swinging. Man can't even fucking read a screenshot properly when I send it to him. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So now this week's fanboy of the week. I ain't going to fuck this up. It's Marlboro's Smoke. And this is an old one. We're talking 2016, the first year of the bunt. We were posting our shit on the slap message board looking for some constructive criticism, you know? And Marlboro Smoke came out and gave us some real good criticism. So let's get to it. The only Canadians that matter are Rick Howard and Tony Ferguson. These dudes come off as kooks and prove once again why I could care less about Canada. It's a pretty bold motherfucking statement, you know? Canada's doing it big and I don't consider us kooks, but Marlboro Smoke... (laughs) Thank you for being so nice to a brand new skate podcast when we were just looking for some love, man. Wow, man. That's a really uh, short list of Canadians that matter. So I'm not surprised we didn't make the cut if uh, <laughs> if the Appliards of the world can't even get on there. Russ Milligan, Ryan Smith. Oh, man. Galia Mamalu, Paul Macnow. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's the one kooking, but... Uh, Oh, maybe? I, I'd say it's fucking 100% right that Marlboro smokes kooking. Buds, the fuck out of here. Maron. <laughs> fucking Stu Gotts, dog. Let's keep it moving, dog. Real shit. Welcome to the post office. Get your emails and voice notes in to thebuntlive at gmail.com. Y'all know we do it for the people. Ain't going to be too long before season 12 is on and popping, and we want to see a backlog from the Bunt gang. However you want to holler at us. Get it done. Ghost, it's the last time we're doing this for a hot minute. Who we got up first? You've got mail. First up, 
We got an email from Moldy Map Pants Too Fat. <laughs> What's up, Bunt Machine, aka The Simulation, aka The Only Podcast? I got a serious question that needs addressing fashion and style and skating. Does it matter as much as we may think, or is it an East Coast thing? While I've noticed a surge in baggy, swaggy pants and 90s STs, I want to be buried like that, which is great. I still get super bummed on the whack-ass fits that most of the highest paid skaters out have. Seriously, what's up with all these pro dudes and their generic khakis accompanied by terrible stock music and videos? Cough, Red Bull, cough. Major turn off. <laughs> Major turn off to the tricks. Is it just me or is it the bigger the check, the wackier the fit? Why does Nigel wear capes and compression pants? Maybe I'm just a fashion snob, but in my opinion, the way you look on a board makes the trick either whack or smack. So I wanted to know, what do you guys think about the skaters we throw down but have no sense of fashion style, but instead purchase $200 poo-poo diaper drop crotch sweats? Jesus. Damn, bro. I don't know, man. Who do you think's got the worst fits in skateboarding right now? That last sentence made me immediately think of Chris Joslin. Mm. He's not really rocking the... Uh, the sweatpants or whatever but like his fits are just off like his tees seem like one size too big the shoes aren't looking crispy like i don't know some like the hats like he just looks he just doesn't have any swag if you will you know what i'm saying yeah he's wearing whatever shows up in that box exactly but he'd be throwing down heavy yeah like imagine him with with ill stees like chris joslin with it's like it's so rare to have a Heathker chart where you got the besties and you're jumping on the biggest shit. Like imagine Chris Jocelyn had flawless tees and dressed really well. It'd be a wrap, yo. But I feel like his style of clothing not only suits his like style of skating, but his actual like style as well. Like more than the tricks, like the style which he does the tricks in, like it fits perfectly. Yeah, he's in his lane. He's in his lane. But what do you think, man? Is the bigger the check, the whacker the fit, or what? No, nah, I don't agree with that. I mean, there's out like Tyshawn's got to be cashing some fucking fat checks, and that guy's fucking swagoo. Bro, look at Janowski, Booznitz. I got no issues with their kits. Yeah, they keep it fucking clean. All right, next up, we got an email from Will. Yo, bump boys, had to drop a question in real quick before the season ended. You get me. Who are some black skaters you guys would consider to be in the high speed, big ollie, gap skating style, a la Westgate, Reese Forbes, Jeremy Ray, etc.? I don't see many black skaters in that category, and the only ones I can think of are Sean, Se are Sean Sheffy and Mikel Hoddix. Would love to know of some more beast black skaters in that realm of skating. It's been a barn burner of a season, and definitely look forward to what's next for the bunt. Prior to heading to the post office, I joined the Barn Burner Patreon tier, so I'm expecting that box ASAP, ya diggy. Anyways, thanks so much for the past three months of solid interviews and content during these fuck times. Till next season. <laughs> we, got, we got a Patreon on our hands here, dog. Oh shit, respect, respect. Much love to the Patreon fam. First one comes to mind, well, maybe two, like uh, Gershon Mosley and Kenny Hughes. You want to see some big ollies. Those guys ain't scared to fucking, they ain't scared to chuck them. 
Oh wow, Kenny Hughes, that's an amazing pick. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> that guy had some fucking pop. Power skater. Mm-hmm. Can you think of one? Bruv, when we talking power skater, we talking Darren Harper, man. Oh my Enough god. Said. If you if you're not familiar with Darren Harper, just do yourself a huge favor and YouTube that name right now. <laughs> hey, in other words, bro, get familiar. You know what I'm oh. saying? <laughs> oh, you got jokes, eh? <laughs> All right, next up, we got an email from George Kruger. Hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time emailer. Thanks again for bringing us Season 11 during these crazy times. It's what the people needed. I'm a bit behind on the new episodes. Just started Episode 8 with Kenny Reed today, and I love Safe's shout-out of the week, Ricky Webb. When I first was getting into skating, I remember seeing his switch flip down Hollywood High and his Mag Minute and who's hot profile of him and skateboarder doing a 360 flip no slide on a flat rail. Guy Mariano did back to 70 tail slide for his ender and fully flared. And I thought that guy was going places. Saw a little of him since, but then Safe's shout out got me to watch his where is it part and it did not disappoint. I had to replay his nollie flip crook on the handrail at the end. It was so good. I wonder if he knew that he used the same song that Walker Ryan skated to in his Organica going pro part. Thanks for the tip. My question is, I'm wondering if there are any plans of bringing back some of your more memorable guests, particularly Chad Dixon or Mitch Barrett. I re-listened to those episodes half a dozen times each and they only get better with every listen and would love to hear them tell stories and see what they've been up to since they were on the show. Thanks again for always killing it on the show, and I hope you guys keep on doing this pod for a while. George. Well, if you follow Mitch Barrett on Instagram, which I hope you do because it's incredible content, you know that Mitch has gone across Canada this summer, making a stop in Toronto pretty soon. So, you know, he might be back in front of a mic before you know it, but if it's a bonus app, you know that's going to our Patreons first, dog. Oh, man. I don't even want to give Mitch this love right now, but when when he went to Greece for Will's pro trip and uh, Louie put him on, like, the Thrasher Insta a couple times and his, his Instagram, like, blew up from, like, 5,000 followers to can't remember how many he had at the peak, like, 10 point something or 11K or something, and it's slowly been... He's slowly been losing followers ever since, and now he's at 10K, like, flat. And I'm just really, 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 really hoping to see it go to, like, 9,999 oh, again. that would be torture. He's been stressing about it, <laughs> trying to keep his Insta popping, posting so many skate clips. But, yeah, Mitch is a great follow, so, yes, follow him, but, goddamn, I really want to see him lose the 10K status. <laughs> definitely <laughs> but sorry um yes chad and mitch especially with the patreon uh going now we want to try and do more stuff like that so hopefully every off season we can get a couple homies and do kind of like a catch-up round table thing and uh chad and mitch are definitely a priority in terms of getting that going they would be first too that's for sure and then Cody Brown might be on that list somewhere as well. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. 
All right, next up, we got an email from Levi Gleghorn. D. Jones, Ghost, Ants, hope you're doing well during the COVID Chronicles. Want to give a major shout out and, and huge thank you for rushing this season out for the people. It's been a godsend. I have a fairly serious pot addiction, but the bunt is the one that truly makes my day when it's released. Even though we're just a bunch of skate nerds listening to dudes we don't personally know, you make me, and I'm sure many others, look forward to Wednesdays for Christ's sake. That's no small feat, so don't ever discount what you do. But enough of the sappiness, onto my questions. First, what aspect of your skateboarding do you find the most embarrassing to you on a personal level? For example, despite riding this goddamn thing for nearly 20 years, I've never done a nollie flip. Um, most embarrassing for me sometimes is probably just warming up. It's slow. It takes forever. Sometimes I got to get a stretch going. It's, it's just not a pretty process. Yeah, that is something I've been chirping you for years. Not so much anymore because we're all getting older and slowing down, but like in our, even in our like early 20s donna would be like working on his first like nose grind half an hour into a session (laughs) (laughs) what about you once he gets warmed up he's all good me um me it's probably like my ghetto booty i can't help it it just (laughs) pops out sticks out you know catch me on the right angle and uh you might just find it funny and chad dixon never lets me forget it but there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> there's nothing. And second, while we all agree there can be exceptions to illegal tricks when executed by the right person, I'd like to submit a couple violations that I propose to be thrown in the trash pile and left to rot regardless of who performs them. The tricks I'm referring to are backside crook plus backside nose side shove. You know the front side shove out kind of just falls to the ground in front of you. These were always taboo to my crew growing up, but seem to have become somewhat trendy over the past couple years. I'm tempted to throw backboard shoves and 50 shoves in there too, but that's a topic for another day. Can the bunt go on record and make a ruling on these tricks? Anyways, thanks again for all y'all do. Enjoy your break and get back to stacking clips for that bunt video. Levi G from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Big time email. So we got four tricks, backside crook, backside nose side, backside board, and back 50, all shove outs. Are they all illegal? Nah, none of them are, just because I'm just picturing certain people doing them. So, for example, didn't Leslie nose slide shove the fucking out ledge? Yeah, it looked butter. Yeah, so the right person can pull that one off. Phil Mendelssohn, crook shove over the great ledge, and huh? Yeah. Count it. That's one that I don't really like, but it was funny when like everyone was drinking crook shoves in Montreal that summer <laughs> and doing yeah. them at peace. Uh, I can't really think of a crook shove that I like other than like, you know, Tyler Warren doing one for shits and giggles or or Ben Blundell. But backboard shoves, that's illegal. Illegal? You don't like those? Yeah, that one's done. I'm not fucking with that one. Yeah. And 50-50 shove just a fun warm-up one anyways. I can dig it. So I'm going to have to go with only one out of the four. Backboard shoves. That's illegal. Yeah, I'm not a fan of 50-50 shoves. That's pretty dusty. But everyone's doing them on like round flat bars now. So that's probably actually hard as fuck. 
so I'll leave that one alone. If you do it on a ledge though, definitely just stop skating. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, unless you're a kid or something. But uh, no, I don't really have... I would never do a crook shove, I don't think. I like doing no slide shoves personally, and that's probably the only one I would do. Yo, big email though. Thanks, Levi. All right, next up, we got an email from Casey Fleshhacker. What's good, Bump Boys? Big fan of the pod and the realness y'all bring to skateboarding. My question is kind of a question and kind of a shout out to skate park legends. I'm from Calgary, the home of Mills, a crazy micro universe of people. Some are legends, some are kooks. What are some of your hometown skate park legends from any era on and off the board? Give me a top three. Thanks a lot. Keep the shots firing. Have a good summer. Shout out to Kevin, Evan, and Jason at nine times. The big dogs. And shout out to all the homies chilling on two foot. That's definitely big time shout out to nine times, dog. Hell yeah. Kev, what up, baby? Miss you. Ain't nothing better than an off the board skate park legend. Let me tell you that much. Okay, so the first guy that came to my mind, and I forget his name, and you're going to remember it immediately, is the the mini ramp transition skater with the ste, the next ste. Jeff Gluck. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's on that list. Pure legend. He's on that fucking list. Jeff Gluck. Love him. Jeez. Yeah, that's that might be my number one all-time <laughs> legend, just because <laughs> unless you've seen it in person... You can never understand how legend he is. He would do frontside five O's and like stare at you. If you're at the top of the ramp right, waiting to drop in, <laughs> he'll, he'll look like into your five eyes. O and look into your eyes. <laughs> and he'll do like big frontside ollies, like looking into your eyes. It was the craziest thing. Oh my God. And he had the dopest, unique style that I was never quite able to mimic, but I always was a big fan. So then also at Shred, I'm just going to lump these guys in as one. You know, it's obviously like Phobes, Jimbo, and Esner, the OGs yeah. of Shred, yeah. took us under their wing. Always super grateful for the old dogs that look after the young bucks. And they, they looked after a lot of us at a super young age, and they definitely didn't have to. So those three are the fucking goats. Shout out to Jimbo for running the show for fucking years. Real shit. Esner for running the shop inside the skate park also for years made a video and included us young bucks in the video and then phobes man still looking out for us at house of vans big time shout out to phobes That's just uncle phobes you know and Dude, uh, he was my banker for a little bit he would lend me money to buy lunch and charge me interest <laughs> on the money <laughs> as a little kid <laughs> legend oh, yeah we got, can't you got one more we can't forget the ban and steepy Oh, yeah. Other <laughs> that, that and, it, guys. And Louie. The whole yeah, gang. Little Diamond Louie. Yo, I fucking love Shred. I'm so sad it's not in our lives anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, another legend. We can't forget Grant, man. Because in the Shred days when we'd see Grant, that was before we like befriended him. And mm-hmm. we were still little twerps that would just like... I remember when he'd come around once in a blue moon back from California or whatever. I would just watching awe man it was just it was so unreal to see someone that talented back then that's some real shit oh dan bohart oh dan bohart 
super legend, one of the funniest dudes in skateboarding. And missed that dude too. I think he's moved out of the city years ago. But yeah, mm -hmm. Dan Bohart, all the Shred Boys, Grant Patterson, and Jeff Gluck, yo. Some fucking legend, stock. Shred Central, man, for life. <laughs> Thanks for the trip down memory lane, Casey. Yeah, sick email. All right, next up, we got an email from Jonathan Brown. What up, bunk guys? Longtime listener, first time writing in. My question to you is, which skater in the past had a magnum opus part and voluntarily left the scene that you'd like to see come back or drop more footage? Examples for me are Nate Broussard in Static 3, Papa Lardo and Fully Flared, and your boy, James Hardy and Roll Forever. So first off, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say they voluntarily left the scene. A lot of these guys that you see drop out of the skate game is due to injury, man. And like, sometimes they don't get to tell their story or tell what happened, but injuries play a big part in a lot of these guys' careers. And unfortunately, we... Uh, miss out on some of their prime years in skating because of such so yeah hardy's a perfect example man like what, what's he had three surgeries on both knees exactly done at 26 man it's sad but yeah i'm gonna go with furby man this is the furby episode <laughs> he went off and did his own thing kind of but still just so talented that was one of the strange ones where it had nothing even Eric said it. It had nothing to do with the skill. He just kind of stopped hanging out with the squad and was kind of going in a separate path. But uh, I'd love to see a 2020 part of Furby. 100%. I got a couple ones that just popped into my head. And, I mean, we could keep it Baker Deathwish vibes with Antoine Dixon, obviously. Wasn't voluntarily, but... The path and career arc that he was headed on was just absolutely insane. He could be the richest man in skateboarding right now if not for, you know, what happened. When I was a kid, I fucking loved Knox Godoy for some reason, and <laughs> he's gone. But I think the biggest one for me is Tosh Townend, man. And after Sight Unseen and his on-video shit, like, I couldn't have been a bigger fan of someone skating and just wish we got to see a little bit more. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. This is skateboarding. His style was so sick. Baby Tosh was obviously like, it was impossible not to be a fan just being around his age. He was just like the golden child that we all wanted to be. But his part in this is skateboarding. He kind of, his style developed a bit. His kits changed. And I just love that sick beat he skated to. Uh, one more from the, the Baker fam was Evan Hernandez. The path he was on was like his Man, style and stuff and in bloom was so good and then his digital part like something just wasn't the Ooh. same he had a few good clips but something changed like i don't know if it was his growth spurt or if he was skating less because his style just seemed a little shakier but mm -hmm. in bloom evan hernandez oh man what a sight to see doesn't get much better yo yeah thanks for the email bruv all right, next up, we got an email from Steve Paris. Worst style, question mark. Dills. The infamous Calgary kook has gone far too long without getting called out for his goofy ass Richie Jackson, Andy Anderson Ooh. type beat skating. Where do you boys draw the line of creativity and straight illegal kookery and skating? Big up from the Okanagan. 
You dig? Damn. Jeez, you coming out of Canadian, boy. Wow. Dills, man. Obviously, trick selection is not a priority to the Calgarian legend Dills. But I will tell you one thing. I've been to Calgary and I saw him skate Millennium Park. And it's pretty fucked up, man. The guy's kind of crazy. Am I right? Yeah, like uh, I lived there for six months, uh, skated with him a few times, but it was before he kind of popped on the Instagram trendy shit. And mm-hmm. he's fucking dumb, talented at skating. And I don't really know him that well. I feel like I just maybe said what up a few times or whatever, but seems like a nice dude. It's not, the skating's not for me, but he fucking like feebled the uh, Jamie Thomas double kink rail by the park over there Damn. i don't know if you remember that one from back in the day it's like a blue double kink that mm-hmm. the chief 50 and dills i'm pretty sure did like feeble and like pops out because there's a wall that cuts you off yeah i saw a clip i think it was this week he's in like vancouver or something and he does like a hurricane and then on the flat bar the round flat bar frontside hurricane and then lifts up to fakey 50 like half of the rail like it made no sense <laughs> obviously dills could benefit from a skate curator but guys got fucking dumb talent man and you know skateboarding is an art dude do whatever you want yeah i feel like he also like cracked the like instagram algorithm Mm-hmm. And once you start getting views and likes like that, it's probably a nice uh, serotonin boost. You know what I'm saying? A little ego booster. So once you start getting the love, maybe you're a little less incentivized to just do normal shit, you know, if you got fucking oh, yeah. kids flocking to your Instagram. But I got nothing wrong with them. It's not, like I said, it's not like my type of skating, but more power to dills man keep doing your thing all right next up we got an email from john metz fucking legend up here in the post office obvious fan here and here's the scenario steam whistle gives you guys a 2003 honda civic and the company visa card i fucking love where this is going you guys got room for three passengers that have to be pro skaters who is coming who is driving and what city you guys going to love the new fanboy edition thanks for another great season gentlemen respectfully john from idaho all right bredgen it's me you and three pros wow presumably working on the bunt video you know who you know who number one is it's getting in there probably sitting in the middle in the back seat mr james hardy of course Can't go nowhere without him of course who else we bring in well, I would love to bring Eric Ellington. Oh my God. But I, fe- I feel like, I don't know if he would want to come on that road trip. You know what I'm saying? Like he's fucking, ah, he's royalty. He's this. skate royalty. And if we're going to make this more of like a all homies on a similar level, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just I would feel like just bad throwing Eric in a tight fucking five seat Honda. I'd yeah. be like, yo, Eric, meet us there on, on your private jet and we'll fucking get a sesh popping. But for yeah. the actual car drive itself, yeah, one homie that we 
have just been i mean covid fucking slowing us from meeting up and, and skating with this homie uh leo romero we've been trying to fucking figure out oh, a yeah. trip forever but that'll happen sooner than later i feel like he'd be down for this trip 100 percent. leo was gonna be my pick because i thought you were gonna pick who i'm gonna say now and karan gale man oh shit we gotta fly the homie over here to get in the honda civic but that's bunk gang right there kgz hardy boy and leo with the narblade extra sharp dog and we skating's can, gonna look fucked next to those guys we could throw actually i'll hop in the trunk and we can throw dom henry up in there too that's a package deal let's make it happen all right next up we got an email from brady hobdestad <laughs> shout out ben's ankle what up boys hope all is well on your side been a listener from the beginning I've really got no question this week, but if you could shout out my boy Ben who just broke his ankle at the park after a few too many beers, it would mean a lot. Keep fucking killing it. Can't wait till next season. Cheers, Brady. Fuck. Shout out to Ben. Sorry to hear that, man. Stay up, bro. Wishing you a speedy recovery, man. That really sucks. Uh, fuck. Drinking. Homie. I feel like homie's got to do a better job cutting their friends off from the board once uh they're too drunk but it's so hard to actually follow through with that because we all do it yeah but uh just wishing you a speedy recovery man that sucks and uh hope you're feeling all right all right next up we got a voice note from chris foot aka beta weeda what up guys thanks for clearing things up i enjoyed the shine even though i was getting called out you guys kill it i recorded an audio file check it out Hey, what's up, Safa, Dono, Ants1, the whole bunch gang. This is your boy, Beta Weeda, coming in here just to say what up. I'm stoked that Dono and I can work shit out like men on Instagram. I was on Slap defending you guys. This little bitch, Zypher Jizz, was talking shit on the bunt and Canadians in general, and I had to put him in his place. And there's a wee bit of a misunderstanding because there's so much quote text on Slap and so much shit gets talked. But I'm here to let you guys know that I'm your 100% fan, 100% backer, and I won't let anybody get away with that bullshit. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll hang up and listen. Peace. What a fucking legend. Beat a weeda. Handle the shit like men. That's bunk gang, baby. Yo, that's fucking beast, yo. <laughs> Beat a weeda. Apologies from the bunk boys. Zephyr Jizz. Go fucking suck it, buddy. <laughs> All right, next up, we got a voice note from Nate Block. Let's see what's really fucking good, eh? <laughs> Hi there, what's up, Bunt Gang, Bunt Fellas, Nate B here, down in South Carolina, formerly of Indiana, medium-long listener, first-time voice noter. This is a message for Cephas Bunsen and Danovan Johns. Just had a few questions, wanted to say keep up the groovy job, keeping it hip, doing it for the people. And this season's episodes have all been certifiable barn burners. You smell me? <laughs> nah, but seriously, you guys are killing it. I'm so glad I found the pod. I didn't know what to think of it at first with all that crazy cornball gangster talk, but I stuck it out, and now I love that shit the most. 
So I've got a twofer here for you guys. I've listened to all the episodes of the guys I knew and liked. Now I've just started back from the beginning, listen to them in order. So you may have already answered this, but how did Sifa get the nickname The Ghost? And does Donovan have any other nicknames besides Dono? I'd like to put forward Domino Jones, because I think he's a bad motherfucker. Anyways, I grew up skating in the late 90s, early 2000s, and let an addiction to painkillers take me out of it for like 15 years. Finally kicked all that shit, and I started skating again for real back in September. But guys, I am choking and sneezing all the damn time over here. I'm so dusty. I have a seemingly terminal case of the OLD, and I knew only the Bunt gang could wash me clean. So as a fellow skater in their 30s, I'm 34 now, do you have any advice on stretches or exercises to bring my shred back on the level? My gnar blade is non-existent, can't be sharpened anymore. And the Bunt Boys, you're my only hope. I need it. Keep killing it out there. Thanks for doing what you do. You're breathing a lot of life back into this aging, trying to rip ripper. Peace. Shout out to Nate Block. Wow. Fucking holding it down and sticking through our cornball gangsta talk, bruv. The ZT gang over here at the Bunt, a.k.a. Zero Tolerance, bruv. You from <laughs> the ends. You feel me? Go and get the food, bruv. Yo, that I think that might have been my favorite email to the post office this whole season. That was amazing. That was a good one. I thought your voice was your real voice at the start, just like we like putting on voices here, too. But uh, that was just an all-around legendary email. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And now to address them questions. What was the first one again? So pretty simple of how Saifa got his nickname, The Ghost. Oh, yeah. The man thought he was live at Counter-Strike back in the day. So <laughs> he named himself The Ghost. Now I'm just playing Ghost. Tell him what's good. Well, that is it pretty much. But... Uh, High school days, Counter-Strike Club. I was just murdering mans from behind, you know, sneaking up on mans, you know what I'm saying, with pure stealth. And they'd, they'd be like, oh, I just got killed. Where'd it come from? I'm like, they ghost, Nikki. <laughs> so, yeah, that just stuck. And then it stuck mostly out. It came into the skateboarding because, like, our one of our best friends, Ben Davis, started playing this other game soldier of fortune with me and then some of us skaters were playing that and my name was the ghost there as well and then i just kind of it just carried over into your rap career oh yeah yeah and then when i started rapping in 2007 i think <laughs> uh that was my Don't rap forget name the good shit yeah 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 my bad didn't we post did we post my my old music video somewhere it's it's somewhere out there it's on our facebook probably better off not finding it nicknames for me i got a couple man there is like d jones don cron don cron uh, a couple people call me dj dono's most common because i'm super tall for one summer in ottawa they were calling me g raff i didn't really <laughs> appreciate that one to be honest with you but the most classic one from when we were kids was dono vision because i was the filmer for a long time always had the cam I kind of like that one. Yeah. Hesh Dono. Dono Vision days. I call him B-Rad because he fucking walks around Malibu fucking thinking he's hard. That's hard as fuck, dog. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. And then some advice to try and shake the dust working on the stretches. 
Man, I nowadays I do a couple stretches before I skate every time. A couple hamstring things, a couple yoga poses, get the groin opened up. Body ain't feeling like it used to. During quarantine, started doing a little bit of mini yoga every now and then. I don't do too much stretching unless something's bothering me or hurt, so I'm not the best to talk about this, but that's my two cents. I don't have any sort of like ritual either, but having come back from a million like surgeries and shit, the best recipe I always find is just more time on the board. Refamiliarize yourself with that bitch, you know what I'm saying? More time on the board, push to the fucking store, whatever it is, just like riding around just to get around, just get that board control back, you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Time on the board is the way to do it, man. Thanks, Nate Block. Legend. Yeah, I'm trying to hear this guy in the post office at least once a season, man. That was fire, dog. (laughs) All right, next up, we got an email from Jimmy Marshall. By the looks of it, it gets pretty loose, man. Bunt Gang, still long-time listener, second-time emailer, or is it the eighth time? I don't know. I'm pissed again, but this time watching Blue Story. If you like Top Boy, you need to check this shit out. Proper gangster shit, still. Every episode, I'm thinking, how come everyone doesn't say Gino for best style? And then fucking Boozinitz came through today with the only choice. Gotta be fucking Gino all day. And to me, from my 90s UK vantage point, there really is only one choice for most talented skater on planet Earth. It's got to be the Oxford Don, Mr. Tom Penny. He was doing shit 10 years ahead of its time. The best that ever did it. Fuck your Nijas and Nuggets. (laughs) Even your eye shots. You cannot get any better than that. While we're at it, Worst style goes to that whack-ass motherfucker, Chris Roberts. You know that turkey who does the podcast? Those shitty nose grinds never did it for me. Anyways, bunters, gotta go. Thanks for the great pod this season. Cove Crons have been sick. Lots of love. Shouts from Drunk Jimmy. Peace out. Still. I fully didn't ask a question, but fuck it. Read my shit anyways. Actually, maybe give us your best style and most talented skater and worst style. <laughs> Lots of love, you pussy holes. Bunt gang. Pussy holes. I forewarned you guys it was going to get a little bit loose. Yeah, wait, before we get into it, can I just quickly defend Chris Roberts' nose grinds? Because ever since I went to, what's that school with the with the mani pad, the tall one? Courthouse? Courthouse, yeah. Courthouse. Yo, when I went over there and I walked over and looked at the outledge, yo, oh, that the double set is the craziest fucking. He nose grinded and five would that, right? Yeah, the whole way, dude. That is fucked up. So yeah, it's twisted. I've been there too. Whether you're a fan of Chris Roberts or not, you gotta put hella respect on that nose grind. Yeah. What about his fakey five would and fakey tray line? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving, bro. Who's your favorite style? Appleyard. Yeah, I I mean, fresh on my mind, I'm going Ellington. Oh, that true. Hard. And Appleyard, like circa the story video era. Yeah. Yeah, I fucks with that. And maybe Keenan Milton too. Fire, yeah. fire, fire. Yeah. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth. Who you got? Uh, I like the Tom Penny call. Uh, in his yep. day, I feel like he definitely was. And these days, 
you know we always go with Ashad and Shane O'Neal. Can't really go wrong. Yeah, you really can't go wrong with that shit. Um, someone who doesn't get a lot of shout, and he probably will continue to not, but Carlos Ribeiro is fucking dumb fucking talented. He's not like my favorite skater or anything, but yo, I remember being at the Primitive demo, I think whatever, how many years ago it was, and like Shane's there, the whole fucking team's there, but like just watching him in person was like, it was just insane. That guy is like water man yo that's a really good call and it's funny you mentioned that because the other day i i finally just smashed that follow button on instagram because he was a guy that he'd pop up in my explore or whatever and every once in a while i'd just go and like lurk his page for a bit and catch up on all the videos i hadn't seen and i was just like all right i'm sick of like just coming here once a month i'm just i just press follow and i ain't looking back dude he posted a (laughs) nolly front heel switch crook like the whole ledge at like that uh whatever janowski's park or whatever yeah the one everyone skates he's just too clean but yeah another one that i have to shout out because he might be the most talented feat in the game other than shane o'neill and that is the legend gustav tonison man Oh my god. Yeah. Nolly cab flip the waves in Barcelona. Whatever yeah. the fuck that spot's called, man. He's on another level. There's so many fucking good skaters. And I was saying this to someone today, I think it was. Been skating with Bobby a little bit this summer. And like, that guy is fucking unreal talent. Like, it's fucking insane. And then I was skating with Morgan today, who is also like an unreal talent and insane. But they're both just so good in different ways there's like so many ways someone can be the best with like consistency or pop or style or trick selection like there's no wrong answer it's just personal opinion you know definitely that's why even though ashad might not be the best at any one thing he's so good at every category that it's hard to not have him in the conversation exactly and then worst style you got someone uh, let's just go with my classic when I can't when I get a brain freeze, Mickey Papa. Oh my god, man! Fucking let's pick someone new here. Oh uh, fucking David Loy, fuck it. All at me. Clean. All right, next up we got an email from Noah Rother. What's up, Bun Gang? I've been loving season 11 so far. Thank you for the weekly entertainment. You guys have been keeping the barns burning while the rundown's still popping. Jeez. Well, you've been enjoying it so far. This is the end, brother. <laughs> Enjoy it. Taking a little vacay. To throw some more heat on the pod, someone needs to call out these skate park edit bozos going slow, looking straight at their nose, doing bigger flip front boards, all mixed together with the same music, and putting lyrics plus 20 hashtags as the caption on their Insta. Oh, and shout out Ivan Montero. At least Mickey Papa's skating like himself. Don't know what that means. Anyways, I've been watching some plaza skating, getting hyped to skate. Bobby Warris, Tom Knox, and Will Marshall doing some of the best lines. My question for you guys is what are your top five favorite plaza skaters? All right, off the top, we'll just go back and forth with a five piece. I'm going to start it off with uh, Stevie at Love Park. That's a good one. I'm going to go Dutch Master Delaney at Eggs. Woo! Mini Plaza. That's clean. Brian Wenning at Mokba. Does that count? Yeah, sure. I'm going to go Darren Harper at Pulaski. Woo. All right. 
And we'll wrap it up with uh, Adrian Del Campo in uh, in Spain at that one plaza. He always skates. What city is that? Madrid, I think. Madrid. Yeah, Adrian Del Campo with his massive-ass pants of Satan in Madrid. You dig? Keeping it clean. On to the, back to the email. Switching to hockey. The NHL season is going to start up again soon. I'm wondering what you guys think of the playoff format. More specifically, which teams will benefit from this format? Those who play in the qualifying round or those who get a bye to the second round? Also, who do you think will win the Calder? We got our boy Hughes over Makar here in Vancouver. He's put up the numbers and is the rookie who's had the biggest impact on their team. Anyways, hope you guys have a good summer and hang in there with no sports and all. Noah. Uh, you got a team that's going to benefit from this format or what? Bro, I don't fucking know what the fuck's going on <laughs> with hockey. <laughs> Man, um, I listened to Charles Barkley today talking about... What's Charles Barkley? And he said that like these types of holdoffs and delays and the way that sports is going forward is going to benefit the younger teams in basketball. So I'm going to transfer that to hockey as well, seeing as Chuck's a big hockey fan too, so he must have been talking about the NHL also. <laughs> this has to benefit the Maple Leafs. Shout out to the Leafs. Austin Matthews, heal up from COVID. We need you. And uh, everyone healing up. But one team... That's going to be dumb fuck to deal with is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're getting Jake Gensel back from injury. That'll be huge. No one wants to play against fucking Sid the Kid and Geno in the playoffs either. So can never count Pittsburgh out. And for the Calder, I'll agree with you. Quinn Hughes over McCarr. Kid's been fucking crazy this season. Kel McCarr's no slouch. He's going to be in the league forever. But this season, I'll go Quinn Hughes with you, man. All right, y'all, that's going to wrap up the post office for this episode and this season. It's been fun, y'all. Make sure to get your emails and voice notes into thebuntlive at gmail.com for season 12. Got to be for the people, dog. No doubt. Welcome back to The Rundown, the skateboard world source for sports. It's the last edition of the rundown for season 11. It ain't been easy in the sports world, in the sports bubble we've been living in for the last couple of months. We ain't had shit all to talk about, except for little pieces of news here and there. But hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, shit's gonna be revving back up. Sports is gonna be kicking back off. So we're gonna do some predictions. We're going to start with the NHL. It's safe a specialty. We're coming off a little bit of talk in the post office about the NHL. I absolutely love it. Ghost, who is going to win the Stanley Cup? Well, you know, I think Jerry Jones should pay Dak Prescott because, you know. Oh, wait, my bad. Are we, we're not talking about the shitty Cowboys and fucking contracts and bullshit. NHL, um, I'm going to go... <laughs> you lost me there, kid. <laughs> no, I was just chirping like sports media in general because all they fucking talk about is like Dak's contract has gotten way more talk. Like it's probably 50% of all sports talk <laughs> throughout this pandemic. 
Yeah, and here you go again. Why are you even bringing it up? You know, I don't want to hear a goddamn thing about the fucking Cowboys or Jerry Jones until we hear him speak about what's going on in the goddamn world right now. Fucking pussies hiding behind whoever it is he's hiding behind. Like, come out and fucking say something, man. That's some real fucking Fuck shit. Sakes. Fuck Jerry Jones. Fucking kook. You fucking scrub. Bitch ass motherfucker. Yeah, he's fucking hiding, man, with his fucking lip sealed shut. Say it with your chest, old For man. For the first time ever, shuts his mouth. Now, come on, dog. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck, boy. All right, NHL winner. Who you got? All right, so I'm going to go with the the LA Kings. No, they're, they're out, too. God they're damn like it. Last place in the whole league. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the West Coast, we're going to have the, the Las Vegas Dark Knights. And yeah, that's possible. They're gonna take they on sick team. our Maple Leafs. Woo! And in heartbreaking fashion, don't for all my T dot boys. We win it in seven. The Vegas Knights are gonna lose. Let me become a, a delusional Leafs fan for once in my life. You think the Leafs are gonna win? Let's do it, man. Why the fuck I not? I fucking love it. Why the fuck not is right, dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll pick the Maple Leafs in my heart of hearts as well. But I mean, there's too many fucking good teams. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, the Washington Capitals. Um, I don't, Like I said before, the Penguins. There's so many teams that are on the cusp of like just being right there. So could be anyone, but I'm going with the Leafs as well. And uh, who who's your finals? Who's the playoff MVP for you if the Leafs win? Uh, Austin Matthews. It's the only name I remember. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking stud. But for me, if the Leafs are to win and make some noise in the playoffs, it's going to be Frederick Anderson, the goalie. Defense has never been our strong suit, and he's probably been our best player over the last couple of years, so I'm going to go Freddie Anderson. All right, enough hockey talk for you. It's probably hurting your head. Let's keep it moving right over to the hard court. It's basketball. Let me get your prediction on NBA champion. Give me NBA champion and then finals MVP as well. Just hit hit me over the head with them. Okay, so you know I've been a Clippers guy all year. Fucking mm-hmm. love Paul George. Love Kawhi. Love me some Pat Bev. The whole squad. Montrez. You know what I'm saying? Marcus Morris. So I'm going to go Clippers coming out of the West. And at the start of the season, I was on the Philly bandwagon. We love Jay Rich, but... Obviously, seeing Giannis and them boys fucking do their thing. Mm-hmm. Common sense would say they're coming out. But I'm going to go with the Celtics, young team. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's some older players around Giannis. Who knows what kind of shape they're coming in. So I'm going to go Celtics coming out of the East. Actually, what the fuck am I talking about? The Raptors. Raptors. My bad. Fucking hell. My bad. I was going to say. <laughs> what the fuck? All right, Raptors against Clippers, Kawhi facing his old team, and they're going to Nick Nurse's genius coaching. They're going to figure out how to slow down Kawhi. But unfortunately, I see the Clippers winning it all and Fuck they were yo, yo, they locked up Kawhi pretty good in one of their regular season games. Uh even though I think they the Clips still won, but I'm saying Paul George is going to sneak out the finals MVP. That's just my Dude, prediction. I thought you were almost about to predict a double Toronto championship. Can you imagine? Oh, I wish. Yes. Obviously, that's what I want, but we're just going predictions yeah. here. So I'll agree. The Raptors get out of the East. Deepest team. 
they play most like a team. You know what I mean? There's no one superstar. There's a couple guys all on the same level. Obviously, Pascal is going to be the cornerstone for the future. But right now, his level of stardom is similar to that of Lowry and Serge. They're all just as big personalities on the team. So I, I love that about the Raptors. So Raptors coming out of the East. I'm going to go. The Lakers are going to take out the Clippers, unfortunately. And it's going to be our chance to give it back to LeBron for all that he's done to us when our team wasn't ready, when we had DeRozan. The Raptors go back-to-back, beating LeBron and the Lakers. Sergi Baca, finals MVP. Oh, my I don't know what I just came up with. That just You may have just lost your mind on live television. (laughs) Just came off the tongue. (laughs) But can you imagine? If Serge locks down AD, he's got to be the fucking MVP. I think you officially... This quarantine's driven you mad, Doug, but I'm here for you. Fucking my head hurts. (laughs) And then the the biggest prediction of all, are these leagues going to actually start? And if they start, are they even going to finish? So I think they're both going to start, even though every day it seems more and more unlikely. The fact that the NBA chose Florida is just tragic because at the time, you know, we didn't know there was going to be Florida would be the worst place possible in mid-July, end of July. We'll see what it's like, but um, I'm crossing my fingers. But, yo, something's telling me one of these leagues ain't finishing. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I think if if a couple all-stars in either league get it and it's just seeming more and more like the champion's going to be a sham, I don't know, man. It's It's scary, but I'm crossing my fingers once they get into the bubbles that they can keep the virus away and we can crown some champions man what do you think so unfortunately i think that the nba is going to have a rougher time actually finishing the season for a lot of the reasons you just said with the fact that florida being one of the worst places and as we're seeing now lots of players already refusing to join the bubble like victor oladipo just came out and said that he's not joining the bubble so there's a lot of pushback from guys in the NBA. So I actually don't even know if the NBA will start, whereas the NHL have been a little bit smarter about this. They've taken their time in choosing the hub cities. And now what's come out is that it will be Toronto and Edmonton, both locations who are doing seemingly well with the spread of the virus. I don't know what the numbers are in Edmonton, but in Toronto, they're getting lower and lower every day getting a lot better so i could see the nhl actually starting and finishing so sucks to say but i think we'll get one of the two hope so i hope we get both i hope we get both as well all right bredgen it's a sad time for us you want to wrap it up wait hold on hold on there's just two things that i just want to say before we wrap up the season one is major shout out to 50 cent for completing pop smokes album mm-hmm. go listen to that if you haven't it's a huge banger and rest in peace to him and condolences to everyone who's close to him but another thing i was just lurking on instagram like we all do and always been extremely proud to be a skateboarder you know i never really experienced any racism in the skate world even though i know it's out there it, i feel like racist skaters are few and far between 
But that being said, we're not perfect and we got to hold each other accountable. I saw a comment on Instagram the other day that just really just bummed me out and reminded me that as much as I love being a skater, that we still have work to do within our community and we need to hold each other accountable. Some extreme kook commented on a post and said, well, his name is Isaac Shawley, I-Z-A-A-K-S-H-O-L-L-Y. So this is me holding you accountable. He said, this is just part of a, a longer comment, but you making jokes or saying racist things doesn't oppress anyone. Systematic oppression doesn't exist. And that's just a small little quote from a longer thing that he says that the whole thing was despicable but when i read that coming from a skater it just breaks my heart even more i consider skaters for the most part extremely inclusive and usually smarter than that but uh yeah we just got to do a better job holding each other accountable and so we can all be proud to be skateboarders 100 percent couldn't agree with you more holding each other accountable is the best way for us to move forward and try and make a change in skateboarding and in the world as a whole, man. Definitely. We gotta attack it one step at a time and I feel like the easiest way for us skaters to do it is to first check ourselves. You know, if you're at the park and people are saying inappropriate shit, let's start there, you know? And uh, do as much as we can, man. We're living through some crazy times, but it's time for change. It's great times and I'm kind of excited to be alive right now and, and see where this goes. D Jones, I love you. This has been an awesome, fun season. Glad we could do this for the people. Can't wait for season 12. Season 12, man, just around the corner. Want to give a huge thanks to everyone at Vans Canada, Chantel, Gio, our homies at Deluxe, Jim, Cody, Victor at CHPO, Ghost, I love you. Ants one, Morgan, all the homies behind the bunt. It's been a pleasure. The COVID Chronicles. Scotty Booth. Scotty Booth. I'm fucking out of here, dog. Next time you catch me, I'm going to be a father. Oh! I'm going to be an uncle, dog. Let's fucking ride. I didn't know if you were going to tell the people. Ain't nobody listening now anyways. <laughs> you. Major shouts to Dono. I can't wait to be an uncle. And... uh season 12 is gonna be hectic there might be some babies crying well a baby crying in the background <laughs> but it's gonna be a wild experience for for us over here at the bunt i'm so proud of you dog and i can't wait till i can give you a hug in person 100 percent, dog we love the people that's why we do it catch you in season 12